0: Hey everyone, and welcome to episode nine of the Real Deep Cuts podcast. Today we'll be taking aim at Peter Bogdanovich's directorial debut, Targets. Then we'll continue our three-part game series called Greenlight, where we pitch each other's ideal movies and compete to get the green light. After that, we'll decide if we say yep to Jordan Peele's Nope, and we'll get into some other things we watch throughout the week. My name is Raymond.
1: And my name is Jeremy.
0: And my name is Richard. I hope everyone out there listening is doing well and had a good week. Um, one monumental thing happened this past weekend. It was Richie's 27th birthday. Woo! Happy birthday, man. Woo! Okay.
2: How <laughs> was your birthday, Rich? Was it awesome? It was good. Uh, I'm 30.
1: This guy's 30. 30. You're closer I'm to 30 talking. than 30 you are 25. 30 just like Jer, baby. Nah, you're not. <laughs> you're only
2: 27. <laughs> 27, baby. 27, 27 years old how do you feel
1: 30. how do you feel um 30 you feel 30 I feel 30 no nah, yeah, man feel we're getting old 30. as fuck I was saying like we've we've actually you know did what we said we do as kids we've grown old together this is it we've hit oh, basically 30 20 40s 70, next, year. 40's
0: year, next year 40 <laughs> is next year we're getting yeah. up there fun birthday weekend uh, bunch so of old yeah. men
1: talking Ooh, about sound like you had a crazy weekend crazy b-day bash I have no idea
2: really what happened but you know it was feel just free a bunch to... of running around uh no I, I spent most of my birthday with my family we just did uh, uh and by family I mean Raymond but <laughs> <laughs> no i did I did a bunch of my family and then actually hung out with Ray we got some uh just beers together uh yeah a couple lazy beers some good food it was a yeah. it was a chill birthday. There wasn't anything crazy. The Saturday before I went out, but, um, yeah. but yeah, Sunday was nice and chill. That's, good. But, That's uh, good. How was your weekend, man? Um. Well. How'd you celebrate I, my birthday?
1: Saturday night, I went out to the drive-in for the very first time, and it was a co- awesome experience. Like, very very cool. A bunch of little quirks, things I learned for next time. Um, but it's a very unique experience. Like what, like what's,
2: uh, what's something we ought to know? What, what must the viewers know? First of all, when you're,
1: when you're pulling up to a drive-in, it just feels like, how does this thing even exist? Like, why is this still here? You know, it feels like such an anachronism, like such a thing (laughs) from the past that doesn't belong. I'm not complaining. I think it's cool that it exists, but it's almost like, you know, you even wonder how it even came to be in the first place, you know, such a weird idea that people just pull up in the slot and there's a screen there and you got your speakers i mean now it's all through the radio but still like just the whole thing is that how it
2: works is it through the radio because through the radio deep cut i learned a little something i I was wondering you know why there was such a with the speakers i I never knew that i was wondering Mm -hmm. why there was such a gap between everybody yeah you know having the same you know they weren't all hearing what i thought they were hearing basically just kind of jumping ahead to our deep cut but um, I did yeah. not know that the speakers went in the car back in the day, so I had no clue. And honestly, yeah, the speakers are surprising. just kind of like
1: parking meters that just kind of like usually they used to be <laughs> like next to the car. You just park up next to it. Yeah. Cause I saw all those posts. There, you have to one. roll your window down to it. Yeah. Um, but like, that's really outdated. Cars. That's really like now it's just all through your radio, but here's the thing I didn't realize you, if you're going to have your radio on, that means your car battery has to be on. Which means you have to oh, intermittently yeah. start your car, you know, on and off to keep that mm-hmm. going. You have to basically leave your, you know, you have to actually turn your car engine on, leave it idling to charge the battery and then turn it off and let the battery on, you know, it's a whole thing. Honestly, the
2: whole time, but
1: exactly what I did. Cause I was just like, I'm not going to be doing that. I'm just going to let my car run. I'd rather my, my, you know, I'd rather lose a bit of gas than have a dead battery when I want to go (laughs) the fuck home, you know? So uh, it was, that was one thing I learned is to bring a portable radio next time. Um, yeah. And, but you know, just a little quirks like that. Uh, the whole experience was just crazy. I mean, you know, I, I found a really good spot. You know, I pride myself, my drive. I got there basically when gates opened and, um, found right. a spot right in the middle, not too close, not too far parked in reverse so that I just popped the trunk open. We had, we made like a little bed. We made like pillows and blanket and just lied down and just chilled and super sweet. Uh, that's cool.
2: I was going to say, um, I was wondering how you were going to feel about watching a movie through your windshield and Mm, really yeah, I mean, I was that so. was
1: down for it, but yeah. then I realized I could do it the other way. I saw other people doing it, and there, there's also this these like little mounds, these little hills for every row that ah. elevates your car. So the further you get back, you you can kind of like angle it. That's part of the fun. You have to angle it so you can get the best angle. With, so with nobody's the fucking
2: Ford F three fifty is blocking your view, even if you're exactly <laughs> two rows back. Exactly. <laughs> um
1: But it was so cool. It was so cool to watch. You know, a film. You know like that it's kind of a throwback to 50s sci-fi horror and you know at a drive-in theater uh, it was yeah. a double feature back to back it was um nope and black phone so cool horror double a double feature which is something I've always wanted to do mm-hmm. um but yeah and then there was like there was a couple things okay first of all I will say the snacks we brought our own drinks and then we wanted to get popcorn there. Obviously, you got to get fresh hot popcorn. You know me. That's how I do it. But then I smelled mm-hmm. funnel cake, and I was like, what? You know, I never get to have funnel cake. You have to go to a fair if you want to have yeah, funnel cake. Yeah, totally like a carnival flies. or something. Well, oh, yeah, six Flags, I guess. Yeah. What they had was something I never heard of before called funnel fries. And it was like French, basically just funnel cake in French fry shape. Easier to eat, Damn. actually, than funnel cake. And it had the, you know, powdered sugar and everything. Mm-hmm. Game changer, total game changer. I was, that was definitely the discovery, at least snack wise, discovery of the night. And then, like you mentioned, Rich, we are deep cut this week is Targets. And a big part of that movie takes place at a drive in, a shootout in a drive in. Um, and I will say, uh, while I was watching Black Phone, I believe, all of a sudden, pop, 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 pop. And I fucking spring up out of my trunk. I'm like lying down and I oh spring up and I'm like, fuck. And I like, I'm looking around and I fucking see and I, I, I realize it's fucking fireworks behind me. I shit you not fireworks somebody setting them off and i was just like oh man dude that movie <laughs> fucked me up <laughs> targets fucked me up because i was like really thinking that for, i was like that's no fresh in way. your
2: mind too so that's yeah. the first thing you're thinking and of, i so joked that, i'm
1: like it's funny that i watched targets basically the movie that i would say what jaws did to beaches this did to drive-in theaters i was about at, to say that next. and yeah, um, that's
2: exactly what i was thinking the minute i went to the beach after watching jaws i was like "Oh yeah shit, this is this is feeling very real yeah sudden, you're all of a sudden in the movie so.
1: yeah dude i was like and i joked i thought it'd be funny like oh, i'm going to the drive-in for the first time just after i saw targets like ha ha and then that fucking happened just like pop 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 i couldn't tell if it, it was so fast it was so rapid that i couldn't tell if it was fireworks or not and that's that was that's why it was scary because usually if you hear a firework you hear like one or two you know pow, pow. Mm. this one was rapid like pop 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 like five in a row and I was like, fuck that. <laughs> and uh, got a little bit of an adrenaline boost. I think, yeah, I think that actually enhanced the whatever horror movie I was watching for sure. But I was like, well, I'm glad that was that. And I have a fun story to tell on the show. But yeah, Drive-In was super awesome. I'll obviously get more into it once we talk about the films.
2: Well, All right. Should we, should we get in the deep cut or what?
0: Let's just get into Targets. Mm-hmm. All right. Peter Bogdanovich's Targets uh, debuted in 1968. Tagline, targets are people, and you could be one of them. Quick synopsis on Letterboxd, the fate of a washed-up horror actor intersects with a psychotic sniper on a killing spree. Uh, There is 18K views on Letterboxd. It is starring Boris Karloff, Tim O'Kelly, Arthur Peterson, Monte Landis. So, initial thoughts. Uh, Let's start with Jer, because I think you were the first one to actually watch this, right? Yes. If yes.
2: knows um, yeah. the history behind this, yeah, this, this, dude this knows is what he let film. us know about. Mm-hmm. You know, Go I'll ahead and talk about it, man. Cut. I'll
1: just say this, this film is so far the biggest discovery on the show, in the show's nine-episode history because the way that this film connected the dots for so many other films, one that we watched and ones that are kind of related and then one, one that we'll be getting to now, Mm-hmm. It was pretty mind blowing. I called Ray as if I had just like blown the <laughs> lid, like I was just a fucking paranoid private investigator, like you know cracking the case, like holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. So basically, I was working out too, man. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was like, completely out of breath. I just can't wait. I gotta, I gotta get this out there. So, um, this film has a very interesting history and connection to one we already reviewed, episode seven, which is. Hollywood Boulevard, a movie that's completely different in every way and about 10 years apart and just have a very interesting thread connecting the two. And then even more interesting is there's another film that's very enigmatic, also a deep cut that connects both of these films together. Um, So I know I'm talking vague. um, We'll get into that more. But yeah, I mean, the, the history is was quite rich so once I watched this I just I loved the film I'll just say that right out the gate totally blew me away not just in you know how good it is but also the ways in which it just blew open this whole rabbit hole this whole conspiracy rabbit hole that I just fell down and yeah so we made it the deep cut for this week and uh I'm curious you know I've I've had a bit longer time to think about it and process Mm -hmm. it but uh what about you Ray? What did you think? Um, I thought it was great,
0: like overall. I just thought it was awesome. It's uh, a very 60s-ass movie, but um, the, the fact that Boris Karloff is in it um, and his character, I think, was fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I think mm-hmm. the dynamic between uh, Tim O'Kelly's character, which I forget his name. I think it was Bobby, mm-hmm. um, which, is, which he plays like a younger individual. Mm-hmm. And uh, Boris Karloff is obviously a little bit older in this film, and mm-hmm. he plays a pretty much a retiring actor he's kind of tired of the industry tired of what it brings and and um, the times that are coming with that so um, I thought the dynamic between the two characters as it progressed throughout the film uh, was really awesome I can kind of see why if uh, people didn't necessarily like it because it's kind of just you know it's an intertwining of stories but overall, it was it was very fascinating. Um, Tim O'Kelly was amazing in this film. I mean, Boris Karloff is always amazing, but right. I thought Tim O'Kelly was just like something extremely eerie about him and um, his character. And he really does bring the psychotic sniper, as it said <laughs> on the synopsis. You know, that's
2: one of his only acting roles. I think he's acted in uh, like Tim one of thing Yeah.
0: Oh my God! Really?
2: He has a weird. He looks like a blend of actors. I was this yeah. he gave me. You know Matt Damon and Willem Dafoe. I got that you know, too, yeah. <laughs> kind of mix, uh, or I don't know, their their love child, if you will. But yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was like, man, this actor looks like other actors that I know, and I was that was the only thing I can come up with. But he's
1: been in Targets and The Grasshopper. That's it. Grasshopper from 1970. Targets so he's only acted in two movies. Correct. Yeah.
0: Oh my god! I mean, he was great, man. And, he was, and I think yeah. that I thought he killed um, his role. Yeah. Yeah, he he killed it, dude. Um, and i just thought like the movie was great overall and i think that um i walked away from it with um it's one of those movies like where i watched it at the right time as well you know i I know Mm -hmm. that you've seen me say that on my review sometimes uh jer Mm -hmm. and it just falls really into it with this one i mean it's not like directly saying anything or in regards to like what's happening in my life like directly or like on point but it was like the right movie to watch at this p- specific time. So mm. um yeah it was definitely a great uh, watch for me.
1: Yeah, I I get that. I I also thought of another film you love very much that is very similar to this film. What is that? Can't think of it. No. <laughs> Once upon a time in Hollywood?
0: You think so? I I, th- I saw I drew comparisons.
1: Oh. I drew comparisons. Comparisons? Like, I feel like they're pretty damn similar. I think
2: uh, I can see what I he's talking about already. Yeah, but,
0: I, I know what you what you mean. But I guess but my
2: I, initial thought, just kind of out of the gate, was the relaxed pacing and the tone yeah, of the film. Yeah, exactly. The kind mm-hmm. of just, you know, la-di-da. It was kind right. of slow the way that both, you know, they're parallel stories going on. And obviously mm-hmm. they start off very, very close together. The two characters basically on their collision course. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, towards the end of the movie, they finally meet again. But all in between, it's kind of just driving around LA. That's yeah, at least as far as the vibe.
1: It's the it's the lax once upon a time in Hollywood vibe. But thematically, yeah. I mean, they're they're thematically almost identical. And at least in the, ter- in the terms of you know you know this jaded perspective on Hollywood, the times are changing. You know, out with the old, in with the new. You're an old mm-hmm. actor. You're a has been. You have no place in Hollywood anymore. And then what's happening in the background? a fucking mass murderer, Charlie Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And this, you know, sniper who was inspired, this mass shooter in this film, it was inspired by a real killing. I think it was the uh, the University of Texas tower shooting in 1966. That uh, shooter. Damn. Yeah. Two years before Killed 14 people. The movie. Yeah, exactly. So that was what the main inspiration for the shooter in this film was. But, I mean, still, you know, this whole thing of... Uh, this aging actor and this backdrop, these two stories and yeah, just the coming of the new fears of the world, the new paranoia is, you know, the thing that's going to essentially end the sixties in a way, you know, it's going to be such a dark, um, horror, horrific event that it, it just signifies a shifting of the times. No, I was
2: saying though, I did not notice that comparison that you drew for, uh, you know uh, Boris Karloff's character uh, Byron and mm-hmm. Rick Dalton in Once Upon a Time mm-hmm. um, but it's weird because it did have kind of a, a bit of a Once Upon a Time feel to it at yeah. least for you know the, the slow pacing and the okay. the climax being you know this this extremely horrific event this movie wasn't exactly what I expected at all especially when you called me about it and I mm-hmm. see that it's targets and I'm reading just Oh yeah. I don't synopsis. think anybody really expects what it is. I, I did. I... I was expecting more, you know, along the lines of, uh, what is it? The big racket, you know, I, th- I expected a lot more action. I was, you know, the, the movie's poster is just a sniper. What did you read the, that
1: it was like a mass killer or like, uh, did you think it was like American sniper?
2: No, I didn't think it was American sniper. I thought it was, you know, I, I thought it was yeah. A mass shooter basically. Oh, okay. So yeah. I well, did kind of was... get this hitman vibe, but, um,
1: that was my like aversion to it i saw it had good ratings but i was like okay i mean is this just a movie that's going to make a spectacle out of a mass shooter like a horror kind of thing because yeah. that could that could come off as really tasteless you know, i really, expected it to be cops really and robbers, tackless, basically yeah, yeah. Uh, i okay. thought it was going to be yeah i thought it would, well i thought it was just gonna like yeah you know try to just kind of play up the sensationalism of a mass shooter for entertainment and for scares and i thought that would have been really kind of cheap um but this movie because of that two story structure and because of the themes that it's addressing it does not come off like that at all like it handles everything very tactfully and and it even has like a very poignant you know final note so i mean this is that's a this is that's why this movie is so impressive to me because it's handling a subject that like if handled poorly like if you look at a movie like run hide fight that's coming out this year came out this year or it's a you know very conservative Perspective on mass shooters and turning that into a spectacle where the kids, like, you know, fight back and they shoot the mass shooter. It's just something like that I feel is really tasteless. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is something that was made in 1968 and it's, you know, that's 50 fucking years ago. And that's like handling it so well and still so eerily prophetic to what's going on today with mass shootings and then having that. The, a lot of the themes and a lot of the lessons in there still be very relevant, mm-hmm. so right, yeah, it's a very like powerful film in that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, as you were saying, like that comparison with Rick Dalton and Boris Korloff, like you said, his character's name is Byron Orlock. Mm-hmm. Orlock is, is actually very close to his name, very actually, close, yeah. <laughs> and he's basically playing himself. Byron mm-hmm. Orlock, I think that's a reference to Count Orlock from Nosferatu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. but it's still it's, it sounds similar enough to be like okay he's just playing himself. And that's exactly what it is like he is Boris korloff playing this very meta contextual self-aware right. role of himself. And this is actually this is his last film role ever. And oh, it was also know you know it was like a very straight dramatic role. He's usually yeah. like the monster guy and then it's in mm-hmm. a lot of campy B films but um you know he went into this um And he took it totally like straight face role and he killed it. It's a very like meditative, ruminative role for him. Yeah. You're kind of like trying to understand his philosophies and why he's so fed up. And like the overall theme of the story is, you know, he's an old guy who's used to being the one who scares the youth. And because he feels like he can't do that anymore, people aren't scared of Frankenstein or Dracula anymore. There's scarier shit in the world that kids are afraid of, you know. Mm hmm. Uh, whether it's, you know, getting drafted to Vietnam or fucking mass shooters, like, you know, like there's real things that are going on that, you know, now we don't have to rely on old classic Hollywood horror to get that sensation. You know, the, the fear is all around you in the, in, in the society that feels like it's getting sick and in right. decline. um, but yeah, and that's why it's kind of telling these two stories. It's like everyone's like, "What do you mean, Orlok? Like, what do you? Why do you feel like you're a washed up has been? Like, of course you're scary. You know, people love you." But he sees in this very "No Country for Old Men" way, where he's just like, "I don't understand this world anymore, and I don't care to. You know, I just I feel like I don't have a place in it, and it's it's a really fucked up, scary, dark place that I can't make sense of." So I'm just going to like, you know, remove myself from it. That's, that's a, hurt. that's very a, Sheriff Bell in no country for old men.
2: That's interesting that you kind of say that because there's a line in there where I was watching it and I was, I was a little, you know, I get caught up whenever I see these films shot in the Valley. And especially to see that this was the valleys in the sixties. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really cool. And I'm, there's a scene where they're just driving down. They're driving towards the drive-in the of drive-in I'm like, oh, man, yeah. to be like in receipt in the sixties, like that's gotta be really cool to see all those old cars that are showing dealerships kind of lined up on the the mm-hmm. main streets. And mm-hmm. he basically just mutters, you know, what an ugly city this has become, basically. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean to me I was like, well, that's offensive. I'm <laughs> I love the valley. But yeah, but then you, <laughs> you know, think that's, about what that's it plain. used to look like to him
1: probably. Yeah, know. exactly. Yeah. you
2: know where he's coming from. So that just clicked for me right there. This um,
1: yeah, these this two perspectives kind of yeah. clashing um, but yeah I mean it's just a very you know it's a very deep film in that sense especially something that's so simple it's really just one guy losing his mind and an actor who's preparing to be in this new film or make a speech on it at the premiere you know like plot wise there's not a lot going on it's very simple but like the just the characters it's a it's a character study on Boris yeah. Karloff's character and and it's very um, haunting but I will say that the scenes with Tim O'Kelly, something that was like, so like almost unnerving to me was that the way they shoot, his scenes are played for suspense as if you're afraid he's going to get caught. Did you notice that mm-hmm. that fucked with me? Cause it's like, this guy's a clearly, you know, he's a horrible person right. and he's going on this kill crazy rampage, killing innocent people. And he's sniping them on the highway and yet it's still playing like how he's about to get caught with the sound and with the shots, like you're almost like jumping for him, like, Oh shit. And that like, yeah, kind of like very subversive, like, you know, flipping the script on you, making you feel uneasy about, you know, how a film represents a character doing horrible things. And yet how you, as a viewer can still be like t- attached to that character mm-hmm. because that of the manipulation of things. And that was just like, Kind he's manipulating
2: you at the same time. He's totally um,
1: manipulating. It's a very, like, yeah, it's a very weird trick that they did. That's um, interesting that you bring that up. That's your Constantine
2: because, Nikas uh, you yeah, know, character, basically. Totally.
1: Even worse, more deplorable than that guy. But still, mm-hmm. you're like, still, you know, kind of everything that he's doing. It's a, All of the scenes are, you know, there's no score. It's always very, like, quiet. Just, yeah, quiet. And tense. So tense. Um, yeah. But yeah it's I don't know that that kind of stuff was very ahead of its time for me. Um, mm-hmm. And and so just to kind of bring it up with the ho- how it relates to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Apparently, somebody brought up the similarities to Tarantino on a podcast. And he was like, um, No, I don't think so. I don't think that it influenced me at all. Then he went back home and he watched this film, the 35 millimeter print. And he came back and he was like, holy shit, I thought for sure, that I was not inspired by that film when I was writing it. But when I rewatched it, I realized I absolutely was thinking about this movie the whole time. It was just like, I didn't realize it. It was subconscious. Mm-hmm. So he realizes he loved this movie. He's already seen it a bunch, but and he talks very highly of it, but that kind of shows like, he had the ideas and themes in mind as he was writing once upon a time in Hollywood. Um, they're not like super similar films necessarily, I, but thematically, yes. And there's some stylistic things like the driving and stuff you mentioned. Very much so.
2: I guess it's yeah. interesting that he wouldn't, because God only knows how many films that guy watches daily, weekly, monthly, but um, I wouldn't even put it past him to just kind of, at first, without really thinking about it off the top of his head, to mm-hmm. draw that connection. Like, oh, maybe that film did, resonate with me or stick with me longer Mm -hmm. you know in the uh in the deep vaults of my brain without actually realizing that you know he I definitely think it's subliminal Mm because like he
0: has like noted the fact that like i think he was like talking about writing and stuff and just like creating a script in a film he's just like you know i don't really like think about the subtext i kind of just let things flow out of my creativity and then the subtext like kind of just flows out of him and yeah, I think like a lot of writers and filmmakers do that in general. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's one of those things that probably he just wasn't thinking about it. And it definitely just like seeped into the film mm-hmm. and you know, it's just like he drew so many different inspirations from so many different movies, but definitely, yeah, I, I could see um, the comparisons between this and, and once upon a time.
1: Yeah. I mean um, it's a very, there, there's a lot in this film that reminds me of that makes it feel so influential Mm-hmm. Um but yeah essentially so the story is we won't try to spoil the very very end but just kind of It's really it hard not to like, Yeah. I want to in, talk to you guys
2: about the end too because Yeah. Um so, yeah. just speaking That's generally the about scenes.
1: the final it is in the like you know description that there is a drive-in shootout, you know, he holds a drive-in theater basically hostage. Like but the thing is he's able to get away with it for as long as he is because he's shooting through the screen of the drive in and he's made, he's like fashioned himself a little sniper's nest in there, made a hole through the screen. But if you're a viewer, you can't see, especially with the projection on it. Um, So he's able to see everybody in the lot clear as day and just take his shots from there. And nobody's noticing the gunfire because of the film. Now where it gets crazy is that in this scene, the movie on the screen is this film that also appeared in a scene in a drive-in in Hollywood Boulevard. Almost like the same exact scenes, too. And Targets actually opens with the scene from this film, but it also continues in this drive-in shootout. And basically, um, the way in which these this is connected to Hollywood Boulevard is that Bro- Boris Korloff, playing Byron Orlock is in this movie, and he's also in the film at the drive-in. And he acknowledges his part there. He's actually going to the drive-in to give I believe it's like a presentation, right? You know, he's going to speak on yeah, behalf of the a, film. And he's in the movie. Appearance. He's not proud of the being in the movie, but he's just going. But that's the movie that's on the screen. This movie takes place in a castle. looks very gothic. And he's actually acting beside in the scene acting beside dick miller who is an actor in hollywood boulevard and in hollywood boulevard dick miller plays an agent he plays a movie agent a lousy movie agent and in the scene in hollywood boulevard he's sitting in a car at a drive-in looking at the same film and he's acknowledging his presence in that movie in this real film that was made He's like, hey, doesn't that actor, isn't that kid good? And, you know, the girl beside him is like, oh, why don't you keep acting? He says, you know, I, I had a lousy agent. That's the joke. He's a bad agent, too. But that's there's basically two scenes that take place in a drive in where they're watching this movie. Boris Korloff and Dick Miller are in this scene and they both are addressing their roles in this film. So how do these two movies connect and like, what is this film? It's basically a Roger Corman like drive-in B horror film called the terror. And they were both in it. And the story about the terror is insane. It's like a curse production for sure. And um, that will be actually our next week's deep cuts. So we won't get too into that for now. I was going to say, save it, save that. But just the connection is that Boris Korloff and Dick Miller in these two different films are both, In this scene together in the terror, both pointing out how they're in this movie in that scene. I feel like our
2: podcast is getting very, very Shyamalan. This is going to be our our tenth episode. Is going to be our glass (laughs) episode.
1: (laughs) It's just very strange how these movies were connected, right? You know, they're just so totally different. They couldn't be more opposite. But you know, that's that's the direct connection. These two drive-in scenes showing this film this enigmatic movie called the terror and you know how uh, essentially the reason that the terror and the targets are, are related is because the terror technically helped fund targets um, just with a success or not with a success it was a huge failure but oh, okay. <laughs> there was a deal roger corman because that was made obviously before targets roger corman made a uh, deal with Boris Karloff and said, look, I just need you for two days to shoot these scenes. And those are the ones we see in the, you know, in the movie. And uh, and I'll give you a $15,000, you know, bonus if the movie makes more than 150K. So Boris agreed, fine. He'll get paid the whatever rate, really dog shit rate. But then the $15,000 potential incentive, you know, made him do it. Well, he never got the 15K because the movie never made 150K. But then Corman said, OK, wait, 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 please. Like, I can't give you that money because the movie failed, but I can pay you 15K. If you star in this new film by a new director, Peter Bogdanovich, um, He, you know, he's going to make this film. You need to be in it and I'll give you the $15,000. So that's why Boris agreed to be in this film small well,
2: which is basically a retelling of because e- that that, exactly. that guy the director of that film plays himself basically he's playing a director mm-hmm. in Targets. Yes. Why wow, you're blonde Peter
1: Bogdanovich on, is playing a director in targets and he is in the movie trying to convince boris korloff to be in his movie <laughs> <laughs> which he clearly already is in the movie but it's like he's yeah. telling that story the movie he, he wants him to be in may as well be targets you don't know but, you know, because all, all it's ever brought up about the story is just, you know, how, uh, you know, the role is perfect for him, but you don't know details necessarily. Uh, so that's a whole mind fuck. It's like, wait, that's meta Peter as B- fuck, bro. Meta, dude. This whole movie meta, meta as fuck. Now, the movie starts with an opening shot. The opening scene in the movie is the terror. It's a scene mm-hmm. from the terror. And then it cuts to Boris Korloff in the, you know, screening room with all the producers and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And he's looking very not impressed and he's like that's a piece of shit um, I'm done with acting forever it's not just because of that but all these other ideas I have about you know yeah how I'm fading away and, and I'm not relevant the reason why Bogdanovich that was part of the deal Bogdanovich asked Corman you know if he could use those scenes for the movie and Corman's like yeah sure um, but basically The only reason Bogdanovich really wanted it was because he thought that movie, The Terror, was an abomination in his words and wanted to like have Boris shit on it in the film. So (laughs) that was his kind of in joke, I suppose. But uh, yeah, a little bit of interesting backstory to everything. But I think I, mean, I noticed
0: something on there too when they were like watching it and the terror was playing on on the screen for Boris or mm-hmm. Byron his character. It was just like they kept his name. Did did they not on like the terror as they were watching it It was like Boris Korloff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Byron Orlock, right? Pro-
2: probably yeah. I would yeah. imagine mm-hmm. they didn't make that. That's edit. even more meta. So that it's just cool like though. it was just so funny
0: like seeing that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm- oh, he's probably gonna be playing Boris Korloff as Boris Korloff. And I'm like, no, he's Byron Orlock.
2: <laughs> yeah. This is kind of funny that we're actually watching these backwards too, instead of kind of yeah, straight straight up
1: backwards. Like we're getting to the source here yeah. Um, yeah. with Hollywood Boulevard being the most recent one. I
0: think that's the best way to end the season though, right? That's, that's,
1: that's fucking awesome. Go deeper and deeper. Something about this actually did
2: just this whole Tarantino talk as well was it reminded me a bit of, I knew it like looked familiar in some way, but I just got this inglorious bastards vibe where they're watching the sniper's nest. Hundred percent uh, on that screen, 100%. and hundred percent. But obviously, it's a little bit, you know, switched so it's like around. Like evil with,
1: is doing it to like yeah. innocent people. Yeah. Yeah. And that image of just like the screen literally killing people—that idea is so crazy, especially in a movie that's about you know how people are influenced by the things that they consume and the films that they watch and how that may mm-hmm. have something to do with their mental state or whatever or being so jaded about movies and movies don't scare us anymore, but here is the screen literally killing people. The movie becomes a killer. Finally, you know, it's just, there's so many ways to look at it. Um, and it's insane. Um, and it never, do- it never feels like there's a false note in my opinion. Um, Tarantino called this like the most political movie Corman ever made and Corman produced it. Mm, okay. Um, but he said 40 years later, it's still one of the strongest cries for gun control in American cinema. Yeah. Uh, and he said, it's not a thriller with social commentary buried inside of it, but it's a social commentary with a thriller buried inside of it. And uh, he says it's one of the greatest directorial debuts of all time, one of the most mm-hmm. powerful films of 68. So like, you know, that speaks to his influence for sure on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But also, yeah, I mean, I agree. It is, uh, there, you know, it's really hard to make a movie addressing this topic and then actually have it succeed, especially for its time where things typically age worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this was a case where I think it was just such a such a powerful film for such a simple premise.
2: The, uh, the theme on gun control is actually, it's it's pretty scary you know when you mm-hmm. think about just yeah your typical you know white american that you know that first kind of opening shot when he walks out of the gun store and you see him open his trunk and the guy's just armed to the teeth yeah. with like oh, every yeah. weapon from every gun store in town so and the yeah the clerk was um, just like oh really you look cool. like a
0: trustable face and then he just gives him like he's like you've been here before right he was like yeah a few times with my dad and then he was just like and you also have like a trustable face and then he just like walks out of that store with like a rifle mm-hmm. and like 30 rounds or something like that mm-hmm. and it's just it's just so hilarious like that's how accurate and true everything kind of mm-hmm. seems like you, know? like you know so, you got
2: money like all right here yeah you go. give me your money i don't give a <laughs> yeah. damn if you're you're a lunatic like, also you whatever. see that right? you see that price point that was i think it said like 275 for a yeah, rifle and, or <laughs> and I don't even know. That guy got clay pigeons. He got fucking oh like three God. different, you know, sets of ammo. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, Absolutely. You know, guys got the bang yeah. for the buck deal in the 60s, I guess. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, really cool film. This was great. The way you kind of talked about it, Jer, was you kind of almost struck this, you know, cinema history gold almost. It was just, there's yeah. so much lying underneath just
0: just so much to unpack with this film it's very Mm -hmm. I think it has a lot of depth and um, I think like even one theme that I came out with it was like the insecurities of both characters Mm -hmm. and like I think uh, Tim O'Kelly's character I think his name was Bobby right Mm -hmm. his 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 are you know you kind of did mention like the camera work in which like you kind of not necessarily rooting for this individual when he's like running away and like all these different things that he's trying to do just to escape and like continue his killing spree basically but like you know it's interesting that they're able to get that reaction from us viewers while like from what i've seen like boris karloff's character you have more of like a an understanding of where he's coming from and it's a little bit more focusing he's a little bit more vocal while Tim O'Kelly's character is just like so much more reserved and it's very subtle. You don't know too much about this individual and why his um, why he just snaps. But like there's just like subtle hints with his wife when he was talking to her, he was just like, You don't think I can do much, can you? And then like she was just like, What do you mean? About like the dress? Like he's like trying to talk deep and like reach into like a human conversation with people. He's looking for a connection, yeah. And no one's giving them that. And even in the end I think that's when for me that you you know, where everything was pieced together. And it was just, like, very interesting. You do see and understand the insecurities of this young individual while seeing the insecurities of Boris Karloff's character where he's just like, you know, I'm out of my, uh, you know, I'm out, like, people don't find me scary anymore. And, you know, I haven't really been getting, like, roles that I really want. And funny enough, this was his last film, as you said, Jer, and it's just, like, such a poetic way to go about it, especially his, like, little monologue
1: um it's in literally his, uh, in no hollywood no hollywood yeah. for old men man like that's no hollywood what, for old men that's what it is it's just like he's done that was it that was the one that was the yeah. note to end it on
0: but i really loved it i love the characters and kind of just like the insecurities that these two individuals had and then the path from beginning to end that intertwined their two stories and it's just i think it's um i think it's amazing at the very least i think it's like uh really great so yeah
2: I thought it was funny. The producer saying actors don't retire, man. Come on. Like, yeah, I don't know. So I don't funny. know exactly what characters, but I mean, when you think about it, yeah. Actors do just keep going until yeah. they yeah. just drop. But he dead had like day.
1: a philosophical, you know, epiphany yeah. of just like, mm-hmm. he was having, I'm out yeah. of this world. I have no place in it. Um, And yeah. And then he, you know, and then it begs the question, this question is brought up in no country is like, is the world getting crazier or has it always been this crazy? And you're mm-hmm. just getting old and you're, your perception of life is withering away. The, the times are changing, yes, but the darkness has always been there. You know? Right? Yeah. And and it's like that
0: seven thing too. Even just like yeah. you know the character between Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman,
1: he sees it think, for what it is, and yeah, Brad Pitt has hope. And it's almost yeah. like well, movies for a time had a power. They had a power to terrify right. people. They were because of the novelty, because you know everything about it was still new, and things ideas were still becoming fleshed out and new horrors were being discovered you know mm-hmm. constantly through cinema and they truly scared the shit out of people that then he realized it's like okay that is that is not as powerful anymore and you know the new horror is i guess whatever the mass killings or serial killers or whatever it may be in this case this this shooter is a vietnam veteran he's with yeah. obviously ptsd so that's another commentary you know him acting out in this way is it—is this a new thing? I think mass shootings have always been around, but it's sort of like the power is now shifted. Like I think the media, or I'm sorry, the public is more um, preoccupied with the real horrors in the world. Now it's hard to feel anything from cinematic horror when the real world horrors are so overbearing. I mean, that is just one way to look at it, but obviously by Boris Korloff's character, felt that way, I think, in some sense. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah. And um, the whole story about you know, how this was made, it's Peter Bogdanovich's debut, which is a fantastic debut um, and very, very underseen. Um, and obviously with that underappreciated, I think this movie has it's very eerily prophetic and relevant, um, but the, it also how it's relevant to deep cut history it has a huge weight to that as well. And I think with its connection to the terror, you know, that that whole movie, we'll get into it more next week, but I'll I'll leave the listeners with this. The reason why the terror became such a big deal, not only because it's like this, you know, weird film that's connected to two deep cuts we've already done already in this very, very coincidental synchronistic way. Um, and it also relates to some of our favorite films that you are know, the targets, uh, relates very heavily to once upon a time in Hollywood and no country for old men. So, you know, these movies are, there's a lot to grab from this, but the terror tying them together, Roger Corman, this drive in B horror director decided, you know, he is, he was done ripping off Edgar Allan Poe. That was what he was known for. His last film was the Raven. And he wanted to see if he could out Edgar Allan Poe. So he wanted to use, without letting the studios know technically, he wanted to use the leftover backlot of The Raven to make his little passion project on the side, which would be The Terror. And um, he didn't really have a clear idea about it, um, but you know he got Boris Korloff on board and... I'll get more into the shooting nightmares of that next week. But eventually he ran out of money to make it and his money was tied to the union. He couldn't direct it, but it still could be made. He just needed somebody else to direct it. So he was at a standstill and the only person that he could think of to make the rest of this film was this young assistant director who had already worked on a couple of films and that young assistant director's name is francis ford coppola who actually helped make the terror pretty much made the rest of the film so director of the godfather made the shitty little horror film that this is pivotal nobody knows (laughs) yes yes so francis ford coppola this was one of his very first i think it was i think his third or fourth um, assistant director jobs, but he actually got the big director's chair. And if you look on his filmography, it's not listed. And I don't know if that's because it was sort of a shared credit. Um, it's still not technically a Corman film, even though everything about it is Corman's idea. He started it, but he couldn't finish it. So uh, Francis Ford Coppola stepped in. But, and what uh, was
2: this his first, that was, would that be his directorial debut then? Yeah. Over, I, I think he, was, he had done. I think he had done this. he done this
1: other movie called The Haunted Palace, and uh, okay. and something, the Battle for the Sun, I believe. And so he had
2: shared director
1: director's credit there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so but, that'd be um, really
2: cool, man. Because this is feeling like Hollywood history right here.
1: Oh, so. totally. Well, here's the thing. His this movie came out in 68? the terror came out in 1963. Uh, And Francis Ford Coppola's official directorial debut came out in nineteen sixty three. So this was right there neck and neck with whichever was his real first directorial debut. His launching. If anything, it could you can see it as you know pre-debut. You know, like earlier. So, um, yeah, pretty nuts. And no one really knows about this movie. And there's a whole thing. I'll even get, I'll even leave you with a little bit more. There's technically five directors who made this film. <laughs>
2: that insane. sounds like production. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. No, the story about this fucking movie is a terror. It lives up to the name of the film, but you know, it's referenced in Hollywood Boulevard. I think just mainly because it's a tribute to Robert Corman. Those that film, but also, you know um, what's his name? Dick Miller. Dick Miller is in the terror. So I'm sure, you know, he was like, Oh, I'm going to be in this Hollywood Bully Boulevard film, like throw the terror in there and targets. Well, that one really wouldn't exist without terror. So there's, it's a whole thing, but yeah, that's the, that's the crazy connection. That's the deep cut history there. But yeah, I mean, the film itself is wonderful. I really love the '60s grime to it, and just how you can feel how low budget it is, and yet it it doesn't take away from the film at all. Like I don't know, it feels, if anything, it made them more creative with how they shot. I think so, yeah. I didn't think
2: it like you know, kind of like oozed like you know, low budget film, uh, but it still felt very well made, very well Mm -hmm. acted, um, and well written. A lot of the dialogue, even between uh, Boris Korolov's character and his secretary kind of like going into his character how yeah, he's like feeling too. he wanted you know he was kind of throwing his own pity party and he was kind of pushing her away it did you know it added a a cool little you know character depth to him to basically you know he was pretty much overacting and he did want to just move on from it and not mm-hmm. change with the times basically just change on his own so yeah. mm-hmm. thought it was cool And even she calls him out on it, which I thought made for a good, you know, challenging moment for both characters. She was good, too.
0: I think like every actor or actress, actor Mm -hmm. really was um, in this film.
1: Very impressive debut. I've only other I've only seen one other Bogdanovich, which is the last picture show. But I mean, he started Mm -hmm. very strong with this. And it's also his acting debut, I guess. Um, But yeah. Yes, sir. Very awesome film. That's uh, great. Yeah, Ch- this, this is probably
2: runner up for one of our top deep cuts. I'd say. Yeah, it's probably
0: my favorite one. I mean, especially yeah. now that you it's, it's you put like the comparison of Once Upon a Time, yeah. <laughs> it's just You're like right. yeah. has to be up there for me.
1: Yeah, man, it's beautiful movie. And you mentioned Ray. You said you felt like you saw this at the right time in your life. What did you mean mm-hmm. by that? Like, how does it? How do you feel?
0: Uh, I don't want to get it too crazy into it, but like, I really did like the insecurities that every other individual you know goes through. And, you know, the theme of insecurities really um, was apparent for me. And I, I mm-hmm. that's why I, I kind of brought up the fact of Tim O'Kelly's character, where he's just kind of subtle about it, you know? It's just like there's one individual who's so, like, just basically so open about his insecurities and why he's leaving the industry and why mm-hmm. he feels kind of, like, ashamed. Like, in the first, like, five, ten minutes of the film, you already know Boris Karloff's, like, saying, like, It's not my time anymore. This is why I got to leave. This is why I don't want to do this. And this is why I'm basically insecure because all the young guys, it's their time. Now I, no one is afraid of me. I haven't done anything that's been, you know, groundbreaking or anything serious. Mm -hmm. While This guy, you just kind of get a glimpse of him through a sniper rifles, um, scope just scoping this guy out and he's just kind of a mystery. The first few minutes that you see Tim O'Kelly's character, you just see him as like a normal American dude and he's just, you know, he's just like happy and he's giddy. He's about to get a sniping rifle and you think like, "Oh, he's probably going hunting, right?" And then, you know, throughout the film, you still kind of see that up until, you know, there's little hints that he does and things that he just says. It's just a lot more subtle, but I think that like dynamic of how each individual kind of goes through their insecurities and you know the youth maybe um Mm -hmm. versus the old Mm
3: -hmm.
0: that's also very you know interesting and i just think that uh that's kind of like why i was just like oh damn you know because like i do think about my insecurities too and how i go about that how i kind of express that and i saw it in both characters i think you know Mm -hmm. not just one so it was relatable on both ends so that's why i love the dynamic between these Mm -hmm. two guys and it spoke to me
2: thanks for not shooting me on my birthday right
0: I could have, I should have, but you know what? It was your birthday and I didn't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> <laughs> left the gun in the glove box. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, yeah, basically, I definitely agree. And that's one of the big themes. And just I feel like how it wraps up, I don't want to spoil too much, but just kind of how revelations are made and sort of the the script is flipped. and you, And that really left me with a lot to chew on. More than I expected with a film like this. Yeah. I felt like I was like, wow, like, you know. It's
0: a lovely it's film. It's like, a, it
1: becomes, it becomes, uh, for me, this is vague, but it becomes like less about, you know, the, out with the old and with the new, which is what Boris Korloff believes, but rather it's sort of like the old feeds the new and the new feeds the right, old. Right. Yeah. And it's like this Ouroboros serpent of like mm-hmm. fear. It go, kind of goes in this circular motion yeah. you know thing everything is pushing what scares some somebody that aims to terrorize you know what is their what are their deepest fears clearly they have fears they're acting mm-hmm. on fear or like you said insecurity but th- that's still a form of some yeah, kind absolutely. of fear mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. what what fears are keeping everything going in this circular motion you know what i'm saying like it's just it's just a really interesting note. Um, but I don't want to start a whole spoiler discussion. I'll just, you know, for this one, uh, yeah. recommend the film. Um, did you guys want to do star ratings?
2: I was going to say, yeah. let's do it.
0: Um, um,
2: I think I, give this, go ahead. I give this I give a four. Uh, perfectly, mm. like a four. Okay. Nothing, nothing low, nothing high. Um, Respectful. I was thinking I was at a three and a half, but I love just hearing you guys explain this film in depth better to me and giving me all the juicy details and the what to yeah. knows, all mm-hmm. the uh, all the fun facts. So it carries it a lot further. Because um, I did think, again, it felt very like uh, we were talking about before. It was kind of a hangout film. It wasn't what I was expecting, not yeah. in a bad way, but this this feels like it earns a four with everything going on behind the scenes. So, yeah. Right on, right on. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I I give this a four point five. Really, really liked it. Um, Mm -hmm. I really like to for me for what it's trying to do, it's pretty close to perfect. Um, you know for what what it's trying to achieve, and uh, it could have been a four, but I think really, I think the second half and onward just really was pretty much flawless. Yeah, it it was so suspenseful, and and was just becoming increasingly. Uh, more like the uh, deep and poignant. So, yeah,
2: I'm I think I missed right. that part about Tim O'Kelly's character. Just the, what do you mean? Uh, the kind of suspense of this guy might get away with it or you're a little bit on uh, edge. Uh, that didn't okay. really uh, hit for me. Mm. So I didn't, I didn't see that. Maybe, maybe I was just in a, not in the yeah. mood for it or, but mm. I, th- I don't think that landed with me, but I just thought it was kind of interesting that, uh, yeah. it, that's what you guys saw. So, Maybe it affected mm-hmm. my my overall rating. You don't know what I'm talking about at all. <laughs> <laughs> First soundboard. <laughs> yeah, I know. We waited <laughs> this long, man.
0: It just doesn't feel right without the soundboards. You gotta play them more often. Things now. are
1: getting things are getting deep. We're heading yeah. toward the end we of are getting you know, deep, this yeah. journey. So like, you know, mm-hmm. not as many laughs, you know.
2: Yeah. Well, Ray, what's yeah. your star rating? You're the, the last uh,
0: one. well, considering Rich gave it a four and Jared gave it a four and a half i have to be down Jared the died. middle of the coin <laughs> cue it there it is i didn't even have to say cue it. this guy had it ready but yeah it's a 4.25 out of five and it's it's great man it's a great film and it could it could honestly go up to a four and a half and if i rewatch it it's just something about it that i i just can't justify a four and a half yet but like if i do like if i i feel like if i watched it more I definitely wouldn't be surprised I would be a four and a half um, later down the line but it's just an enjoyable film it's short but also just has so much to say. And um, yeah, this is my favorite I would say this is my favorite deep cut that we've done so.
2: I feel like this yeah, is part of a trilogy well the way that we're you know yeah. really building this up. And it's
0: just so crazy how it just played together <laughs> you know <laughs> as we went through the weeks but yeah it's awesome.
1: This yeah. to me is you know why we do the deep cuts. This is why Exactly, right? You can you hope to, you just dig and you mine and sometimes you find turds and you're like whatever. You keep fi- trying to find gold, then you do find gold, but then you find like diamond and then leads to like a whole diamond rabbit hole like this. Like this is to me, yeah, this is my favorite deep cut, and especially how it relates to deep cut rabbit hole. Yeah. It's like,
0: wow. You know. It's just mind boggling. It's just awesome and
1: just a really great fucking cool. And just you wait, you know, we're saving the conversation yeah. about the terror for a final. <laughs> There's so episode. much you've
0: saved that you told me, and I was like, Oh my
1: god. <laughs> yeah. But uh the terror gets insane and um Targus is just one piece of the puzzle. Hollywood Boulevard was just one piece of the puzzle we didn't even realize, um, but that you know that's also a movie about Hollywood in a much different sense. That mm-hmm. one's like cynical and kind of mean spirited, very yeah. mean spirited and goofy and comedy parody screwball
2: basically, yeah.
1: And this one is very grounded and and still criticizing Hollywood, but I would say going deeper than that and and criticizing you know society as a whole at the time and where we're headed, you know yeah. Is, so. I agree. Excellent film. Definitely my favorite. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to that. But now we're moving on to some shenanigans. Our second round of Greenlight, where we'll be competing to get the deal from the producer, the movie of their dreams, who will win. Um... This week we have Rich in honor of his birthday. Happy birthday once again. Happy birthday, brother. This guy over the weekend became a big hotshot Hollywood producer. And now (laughs) me and Ray, who have, you know, struggled with writing for films, you know, basically our whole lives, have the opportunity of a lifetime rich please fund our movie i know you can only fund one you but please
0: fund us man i love fund mine
1: over raise I, please you guys are man don't dude to right now. jared's you guys, trying to
2: cheat right now man <laughs> no you guys are gonna meet with this brain dead producer who probably doesn't have <laughs> no. a clue about you know the no of effort don't that you guys say that. This. this is for not you true. man this movie's <laughs> yeah, this you, for brother. you brother well that's what i'm saying like you know bring it on but i can't wait to just make the dumb producer decision
1: <laughs> no man i'm proud of this film right there's nothing to be ashamed of with all this. right who's
2: going first then
0: i don't know um, who do you want to go first Jar? okay all right rich how about you pick man who wants you to go pick.
2: first <laughs> yeah this it's guy, birthday. i'll give it this i'll give it to this guy jerry this guy jerry seems eager. All all right, His I film off the ground asap so, okay let's do it all right all right
1: okay all right rich are you comfortable is your ass planted in your chair? <laughs> I'm waiting, baby. You got two minutes. All right. Two minutes. This motherfucker. Don't fucking time me. Come on. You're. All right. Ready. <clears throat> so this film, it's called Dancing in the Dark.
2: <laughs> All right. I'm out. I already lost. I already lost.
3: I already lost, dude. This is not fair.
1: All right. Let's All hear right. it. Dancing in the Dark, produced and stunt coordinated. By Tom Cruise Directed by Martin Scorsese (laughs) Written by Bruce Springsteen (laughs) Starring Ryan Gosling Anya Taylor-Joy And featuring Bill Burr as the boss This gun's For hire (laughs) The year is 1985 A smooth talking hustler with a hungry heart Falls for a girl in a karaoke Nightclub He'll chase down anyone if the price is right this is the one he's been dreaming of after a long night of singing drinking and dancing in the dark she vanishes before the night is over he soon realizes she's been kidnapped by the jealous leader of a coke slinging crime syndicate who's notoriously known as the boss armed to the teeth our hero hops in his delorean and drives into the neon city skyline with a vengeance in an action-packed thrill ride for love This hired gun, who was born to run, shoots his way through highway motorcycle chases with waves of dirty, rotten state troopers and dances his way through brutal, bone-breaking brawls, outmatched, outnumbered, and fighting his way up the tower to take on the boss and win the girl. He started the fire, but can he keep the spark before the night is over? Full soundtrack by Bruce
2: Springsteen. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Stop. Oh man. Uh, you got me with some of those details. Oh <laughs> uh, my god. Jeez. Wait, so Ryan goslin's our main character. Is what yeah, saying. I was trying to think of like an eighties, you know I was gonna say, I don't know, you might have been better off with eighties cruise or something. But <sighs> well
1: he's not eighties cruise anymore, you know? You gotta he's... work with what you got. Cruise got the stunts though. He's, got the, he's got the
2: stunts, and he's producing it. So I'm there, but you know, if Tom Cruise yeah, is producing, Tom Cruise, money, man. who knows? Tom Cruise for- is leading the story, so we might have to pull a you know a Jack Reacher and just throw old Tom Cruise off. For- <laughs> Anya oh Taylor God. Joy, you know, maybe like 26, Tom Cruise, <laughs> like 49. Yeah, who I mean, knows?
1: Anya Taylor Joy and Ryan Gosling's already a little bit, you know, pushing of it, a
2: stretch. Yeah, but I mean, again, if Tom Cruise is producing it. You know, he's not going to let some other Hollywood hotshot, you know, take over his film. And I'm mm. not going to lie, I think it could work.
1: <laughs> I was trying to think of babes that you like, and I was like, Anya Taylor She's Joy, a cutie
2: patootie. Um, yeah. For sure, you, would
1: you would you dance in the dark with Anya Taylor Joy on a
2: karaoke night? So a heartbeat, bro, <laughs> a oh I drive God. all night to you know dance in the dark with Anya Taylor Joy. There's another person yeah, I've you, you. I'm sure you've had one of those
1: nights where, like, you know, you dance with a girl and all of a sudden and she's you, gone. You start off with gone? karaoke, man.
2: Yeah, it's just yeah, oof. Mm.
1: karaoke. You know me,
2: karaoke. Like... Um, that's my sweet spot. Um, What else? I don't know. I honestly, I'm I'm curious to see. What could possibly go wrong with this film? I mean, nothing. It sounds pretty, pretty airtight. It's got a lot of bases covered. Took the L. (laughs) I'm I'm really impressed so far. Honestly, I don't I don't have any. My biggest concern was Ryan Gosling because I'm not even, I'm not even that horny for Gosling. I know you're not.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, you did you did like Place Beyond the Pines. We did talk about his. You know,
2: I did, but yeah, I don't know. Again, and he is. You know, I've got nothing against the guy, but you know, I kind of see. He can be cool and romantic. That's why I picked him. I see it. I see it. You know, I'm a big La La Land fan. I
0: respect that. He's got a
2: range. All right. um, Maybe I can come around to it, but Gosling would never, wouldn't have been my. I don't want to say never, but it wouldn't have been my first choice. All right, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. We're working on it. Damn. And Bruce Springsteen, (laughs) he wrote this also. (laughs) He writes as well as. (laughs) He wrote you know, the I soundtrack it,
1: and he wrote the script. Well, no, the soundtrack is his songs. I don't think I don't think he's going to be in. Maybe he'll invent one new song. I don't know. But like, <laughs> he's already got a lot of songs. that oh can like fill God. the soundtrack. I maybe was going to say, yeah. I don't uh, know. Uh,
2: and Scorsese's directing this, which is a huge hat trick for him. Apparently, <laughs> like, <laughs> this is not what I would expect Martin Scorsese's next film to be. But he's back into cocaine, man. But, <laughs> he's back on the oh, shit, uh, which I'm all for. You know, maybe he needed a an '80s revamp and just went straight back to the fucking ivory flakes. So yeah. I'm all for it. I'm all for this fucking potential dumpster fire. Like, how the fuck did this film get made? But it happened. It and let the cult following piece. follow. You know. So <laughs> exactly. All right um geez i don't think i got any other questions i'm pretty on board anya taylor joy is hot shit right now and so is gosling and you know right just think the... about it you know just think about it all right all right I'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty sold on that one that's a good one it's gonna be hard to beat
0: well there's no point in sharing mine now but all uh... right guys that'll do it for this week <laughs> thanks that's for listening my see you next time
2: I'm ready so to hear it though,
1: right? I'm going to empty Ray. my mind. This guy, Ray, Ray, put is his is, heart and soul into this one. I know he was working did hard it, on dude. it. I really did. He I was. did this
0: within 10 minutes, Rich. And, uh, um, and no, I'm, no. Really I'm not going to lie, this one could I, blow I don't me away. hold
2: on just to circle back. You did say that this guy's jumping in the DeLorean. And huh? unfortunately, not you, Ray. Uh, oh. Ryan Gosling owns a DeLorean. I, as much as I love that, at the same time, it's just too, it's too obvious and it's too big of a you know okay you go then. give a motorcycle motorcycle would have been a better move just there saying that's my i just yeah. wanted to
1: throw in some B- i B- the, the
2: delorean is cool but you know it's that's like trying to like redo godzilla or something you know like that's fair. That's trying that's to fair. redo something too I did, iconic.
1: It was a risky move. I felt gross about doing it. I was doing, you know, the, the you absolutely should, but I was, I know. was a little ashamed of that detail. I was like, I should have just done with motorcycle, especially because I said highway motorcycle chases against dirty rod and state troopers. So, you know, I yeah. was going, I had the vision, but yeah, yeah, it was, was a, it was a low blow but, reaching,
2: yeah. but it was also a smart one too. Cause you know, I hear DeLorean and I get a little, little excited, but then I think <laughs> about it. But, um, <laughs> But, yeah, so, again, it's not perfect, but, so, you know, Ray, don't be discouraged by that, you know, borderline. It's okay. You know, amazing.
0: That's all right. Spectacular.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
2: All right, let's hear it.
0: Well, since I only got two minutes, um,
2: I will That's say. not true. <laughs> Gas it up, baby. Gas it up. <laughs> no, Sell it I can't, to
0: man. You. Dude, I was telling Jared right before this pod, I was like, dude, I wrote out like an entire song. Do it. Do that did... one. No, then. I Funk am not it. doing that. I'm going to give you the synopsis and you can see what I like. And mm-hmm. I, I did the synopsis in five minutes. So take that into consideration. Well, I just reject your hypothesis. <laughs> <Your> um, <laughs> speak so from the heart, the... man. Speak from the core. All food. right. All right. So like the movie is called Marcel with the shell. <laughs> <laughs>
3: i
2: Alright,
3: i Okay. It's... Uh, the,
0: the working title, I have two of them. One being Lord of the Temptresses or Time After Time. Directed by Joseph Kaczynski, director of Top Gun Maverick. Producers, Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox. Starring Miles Teller, Tom Cruise, Mark Wahlberg, and Christopher Lloyd. Margot Robbie as Queen Temptress. So... <laughs>
2: all right I mean, stop dude no why no. wouldn't you go with what is it lord of the temptresses is that the
0: yeah but time after time you'll you'll see bro you'll see oh tagline love hurts or does it synopsis this is the one i did within five minutes of literally you joining the podcast i i'm sorry if it's rough but here we go what do you mean a young ambition <laughs> because on. like i did an entire summary like an entire summary that was like two pages and like I was like, you know what, let me just give you the synopsis and then you can ask me the questions. That's what Jared... Um, Wait, but you said that you
2: did it within five minutes of me joining? Like, as in, what? An he hour had a hour? bigger <laughs> one and then I was you like... Know, yeah, I had a bigger it.
0: summary, you know what I mean? Okay. I was convinced that I, I was a to make a synopsis. <laughs> No, this is so true. I created a synopsis that's only two paragraphs at this point. So let me, let okay. me get through it real quick. Okay, yeah. That's
2: and then read course. me, without rushing, re- you need to read me the character... Uh, you Boy. know, the, the, the actor list because you rushed through it a little oh, bit. Oh, I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, you're I'm good, bro. You know,
0: just... It's Miles Teller, Tom Cruise, Mark Wahlberg, and Christopher Lloyd. So we got and like, of course... we,
2: this is a big ensemble. This is like, you know, a team yeah, effort movie. It's,
0: um it's a t- team effort. Obviously, Christopher Lloyd is producing it, so he's funding it as well. Um, Margot Robbie as Queen Temptress, and that's an absolute honor. She's an absolute temptress. yeah
2: okay. uh, <laughs> <laughs> She, should Synopsis. Complimented.
0: All right. she is. She's a beautiful woman. Synopsis. A young, ambitious, and beautiful scientist named Jessica Mills, played by Margot Robbie, is desperate to find a news journalist willing to record her progress on her newest invention of time travel, the Schluck's capacitor. <laughs> luckily for her...
3: <laughs> Stop. Stop. Look,
0: luckily for her, an ambitious young journalist named Ricky Lawrence played by Miles Teller who has buried himself in his work after a heartbreak, is willing to take on anything to break into his field and fill the void his ex has left in his heart with the feeling of success. Ricky ultimately decides to take on Jessica's assignment, and all is well until Jessica decides to finally test the machine. Ricky is given a test bracelet and is pushed into the Schluck's capacitor by Jessica, sending him to the year 1985. Finding himself transported into the bar where he first met his ex, Sarah, Ricky notices he has just under three days to find a way back home. Will this be enough time for young Ricky to find out the formula of self-love that will allow him to ripple through time and space, destroying the Queen Temptress's Schlucks Capacitor once and for all? Only time will tell, and love will tell as well.
2: <laughs> okay, the Schlucks Capacitor. Again, this is my <laughs> this is my like, you know, you can't you can't redo back to the future. But <laughs> <laughs> but i do no. like i do like this angle you know as you know because margot robbie i don't know if she's ever been villainized on film I don't before know. oh
0: maybe Harley so Quinn, i'm but curious like oh Steinway. yeah
2: well she's a little well, she's guess, a bit likable yeah. but yeah that's actually a good point um but i am kind of curious to see this you know this main villain margot robbie yeah,
0: yeah and i can dig it
2: you know especially going from barbie to this like it's going to be a huge Huge change, my fucking villain. Um, My fucking villain. Maybe a change of
0: pace for her. You know, it's it's gonna be a good challenge for her. Wait, so Um,
2: you got to explain to me where these other actors are fitting in. Where's Mark Wahlberg fitting in here? Yeah. Where's wait? The main character is Miles Teller.
0: Miles Teller is yeah the new Ricky. Ricky
2: He's Ricky Lawrence. Yes. Okay. All right, and then Tom Cruise is there too, which you know. Yeah. Again, Tom Cruise. I don't. I don't like when. Personally, I'm not a big fan when Hollywood sees a a pair, like, for example, Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart, and they're like, you know, <laughs> we need to start this. cranking out these Stop fucking this. money makers over here. <laughs> you know this is making money. Don't so, do this to me right It now. will make money, but is it my passion project that I'm ready to... <laughs> Oh man! Um, you gotta ask that yourself. Wait, who's who's directing this again? This is being gonna... Joseph kaczynski the guy that made that Maverick directed Maverick. Okay, yeah. So yeah, yeah. we're gonna get a lot of action. We're gonna lo- get a lot of you know big time travel sequences. I'm yeah, assuming. Yeah, we definitely are. Man, I think there's gonna we be some are. sweet you know vehicle chasing, some sweet. Oh, absolutely! Uh, all right, you but know, Rich, haven't you been rides.
1: anti uh, Miles Teller recently?
2: anti-miles Maverick baby i mean
1: he's like your least favorite part of that movie is he not
2: i thought i just didn't think he i I think i started to notice a bit of a lack of conviction from his like you know role Mm -hmm. from his performance i wasn't you know really sold on the fact that this guy is really really uh unhappy you don't know what i'm talking about at all (laughs) All right, what about like we that.
0: change him for Glenn Powell then? Since he's sexy
2: again, you're reaching for Maverick, man. You can't you can't just you know I'm not you dude. can't you just know copy he's sexy. and paste.
0: I mean the that's guy that's not, dude. But come on, it's like Quentin Ford. Tarantino, the guy reuses his people. Same thing for Joseph Kaczynski. I you wish I knew what these characters well, were doing to be hypotheses. like I want to
2: know where Mark Wahlberg, if he's gonna be like, hey, what's going on? Where's the Schleck's capacitor? Come on, let's let's destroy it. Yeah. Let's
0: go. <laughs> See, this is where um things get interesting. It's basically like I was just imagining his journey. He meets three men throughout his three nights. Okay. One every night at the bar somehow find the re- to find the revelation that he needs to get back home. So each of them likes telling him a story or, you know, showing his insecurities throughout his journey. Obviously Christopher Lloyd being the last one. We can tailor Christopher Lloyd uh, is conference. in it.
2: He's not yes. just producing it. He's gonna mm-hmm. be in it.
0: He's going to be in it. He's going to be the last man that he meets in the last night of the bar.
2: Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. And then what? Then they take down the Queen Temptress together.
0: No, he finds out through Christopher Lloyd because Tom Cruise and Mark Wahlberg kind of give him the first two nights, giving him, you know, they're kind of womanizers. That's who I ima- imagine them to be. I'm not I don't know lie. if we can... Dude, what? Tom
2: Cruise and Mark Wahlberg on screen could, you know, that could be something special. And- could. I hate to just, you know, go very, very like straight for, you know, Hollywood, you know, big heads all of a sudden, like just get the biggest names and faces on screen together. But I think that's Mm -hmm. a that's a that's a dangerous combo that's some serious hey, on screen there's some
0: sexy dudes man yeah, so there are some sexy mm-hmm. dudes so not even that nights... but i just
2: think they could really bring bring the best out of each other like that's actually they can i'm not even and they can bring the best out of Rawr. Miles Teller
0: too bro that's
2: what i'm telling you <laughs> no you gotta you gotta, yeah. you gotta let go of miles teller as the producer right, i'm not well, signing what... off on this at that motherfuckers <laughs> all right center. all right
0: well he's interchangeable he's interchangeable let's not jump to conclusions now
2: get that baby face car accident prone motherfucker out of my film oh right. my god okay what about ryan gosling then uh, <laughs> just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding just poaching <laughs> jeremy's actors <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: dude. i'm kidding no. shots are fired um, <laughs> no i wouldn't do that i okay. couldn't i couldn't do that to jerry
2: okay and then yeah. what what is right. the queen temptress's you know motivation for pushing uh ryan gosling miles teller ricky lawrence basically into yeah she well, looks- she's just testing it
0: out. She just needs someone to, <laughs> okay. um, a test monkey. And okay, she's a queen I like temptress, that. bro. I like she's that. so devoted to her work, just like Miles Teller. She's Only a she's willing to do literally anything. Yeah. While, you know, obviously Miles Teller is just a little bit more of a sensitive individual. He's okay. not necessarily willing to do everything, but he's willing to do something to let that heartbreak go.
2: Okay. All right. There, I like if there's like, you know, some graduate sexual tension. You know, (laughs) there will be. That's what I was supposed to put. Yeah. What the hell?
0: (laughs) You know, I was imagining Jessica giving Ricky a kiss on the cheek and whispering into his ear before he pushes her him. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. (laughs) So it is a little sexy there. I
2: like this. I like I like, you know, Margot Robbie, you know, villainess. Thank you.
0: Thank Um, you. It's a good role for her. You know, I can imagine it now. Blonde scientist. Very beautiful. Why not?
2: Very smart, too. Unfortunately, Ray, I do see a lot of a lot of problems with, mm. with what's your, going on with here. Your pitch—I oh, see how it is, and for that reason, I'm out. What? I see how it is.
0: <laughs> I see how. All right, guys? It was the Marcel. It, it was the Marcel that got you. Thanks for I time. know it pissed you, you off, time. but you know what? I win for this week, everybody. Thank <laughs> you for listening. Uh,
2: you don't know what I'm talking about at all. <laughs> I think I will have to go with jeremy's dancing in the dark script oh, unfortunately all right yeah.
0: baby <laughs> this man is two for two
2: at this point that one garbage. yeah he is that that one speaks to my soul but i the honestly like some of the, of the those ideas you had um i think thank what you, really what really brought it down was the schluck's capacitor <laughs> i cannot stand <laughs> stop stop <laughs> if you had another name for it maybe <laughs> like oh my god but yeah all right that concludes right, the game.
0: All right. Looks like Jer won for this week. He is two for two, and I took the L. But it's all good because Marcel, Marcel—he squished. He's gone. I killed him. But we're moving on to Nope now, and this is Jordan Peele's third film that he's made. Um, came out this year, obviously. Um, it's a three-year gap from us and a five-year gap from Get Out. So initial
2: thoughts, fellas. What would you guys think? I enjoyed this. This was a good one. Um, I thought initially, I guess what I'm starting to notice more since Jaws is these movies that capture daytime horror so well Mm -hmm. Um, I got, even though, you know, most, some of it does take place at night, but I did see uh, some chilling moments that kind of hinted almost in a sense to, uh, to signs kind of these, Definitely. these little you know kind of teases that also mm-hmm. kind of scare you it's it's uh you know they they spook you a little bit so um mm-hmm. i like that but even the night shots uh those those were very very cool to just kind of pan the landscape of this basically empty mountain range and these ridge lines that just kind of circle around a farm and mm-hmm. it, it makes it makes you feel very very like isolated so thought the film did that really well too. Also again, in the sense of all kind of in the, in the, I guess in the sense of signs. So, cause again, you know, house in the middle of a cornfield. These mm. people are very, very mm. isolated. They're basically on their own little Island. Uh, as mm. far as, you know, the, you know, the town being outside of their massive cornfield, but same, same vibe here. And I, I really like that cause I love signs too. And, uh, I maybe didn't love this, but I thought this movie was was a blast. I thought it was really well done, and I'm curious to know what you guys thought about it. Yeah, go ahead, Joe.
1: I mean, I I just thought, you know, going into this, I was kind of neutral. Like, my expectations are fairly high, but I'm also not... I'm I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic, because I saw Get Out, I really liked that, and I saw Us, and I pretty much almost hated that. Like I was so disappointed and I was probably more harsh on it, but you know, not a fan of us. I felt like he really dropped the ball there and kind of exposed how scattered a lot of his ideas can feel. Um, That one wasn't executed very well in my opinion. So the going into this one, I'm like, all right, what's going to happen? Is he going to change my mind or is he going to prove that it was just a one hit wonder with get out? And I will say I am a Peel Ever again. Hmm. Jordan Peel has won me over with Nope. Um
2: I like it a lot more than us, obviously. Um, um Did you guys did you guys talk to anybody else about this? I was surprised to hear some of yeah. the people in my circles weren't crazy about this film. They they thought it was pretty flat. Um but right. I do wanna know what you thought, Ray. Sorry, I kinda jumped the gun there. A uh little what bit.
0: About, well, go ahead, Jared. Just like finish um what you were saying?
2: Yeah,
1: this guy, this guy over here just <laughs> fucking <up. laughs> crashed my fucking party. No, I'm fucking ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean it was it was a wild time. I saw it at the drive-in, um, and mm-hmm. I just I loved the experience of that, and just kind of the big, you know, shots of the big spectacle in this film uh, were cool. And um, again, like a lot of the ideas aren't super cohesive for me. And that's what really holds this movie back for me, which I'll get into. But, you know, overall, I, I looking back on the film, it just continued to grow on me the more I thought about it and how just kind of unique it was and how bold and kind of original some of the imagery in this movie is and just how it's handled with a lot of confidence by Peel. You know, that's one thing I have to respect is that he kind of just goes. for I it. agree. So yeah um yeah i i again i was aware of its flaws as i was watching it but i felt like i was constantly being won over by something too it was this weird like i don't know this isn't that great but this is also really fun but this is i don't like that but this is actually great you know exactly yeah i was like kind of going back and forth a lot but by the end and looking back i was like you know what that was a pretty fun ride uh so that's how i feel about it and what about you ray
0: Um, basically the same, I would say. Um, I did watch it with some of my buddies and it has a lot of different things. And I think that you hit it on the head when you said that he handles it with, with confidence. It's very different in, in some aspects. And I think that like, one thing that I will note that I really loved about this film is like the color palette of this film, but also just how it's shot. Great.
1: Yeah. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. The cinematography is
0: insane. Mm -hmm. It's like insane. It's beautiful. And, um, but there were things that I obviously saw that I thought were flawed. And for me, um, I, I did walk away with it kind of disappointed because uh, I did walk in. And I was just like, you know what? Like, this looks so interesting. I'm so like excited about the fact that like not a lot of people know what this movie is really about or what, what the thing is, you know, and what's going on. Um, but uh, I, I walked away with it not necessarily thinking that it was bad. I thought it was good. Um, I just thought like I would walk away thinking it was great. And there were certain things that I just didn't like, especially the dynamic between OJ and his sister M. I didn't really like it and I didn't really care for it, to be honest. The characters um, aren't
1: very fleshed out, is my yeah. one of my big issues.
0: Angel, the guy that works at Friday. Oh, you.
1: That's you. That's it. They <laughs> yeah, that I worked character it, I,
0: after you. I worked at Fry yeah. But he I just <laughs> didn't care for him as much. There's not that much depth, and I think that. Um, also, the director. hold on, we, we gotta
1: say we have to address the Fry's thing because like not all our Why? listeners know what Fry's is, you know. What yeah, well fries...
0: they're bankrupt now. They're they're closed, which is interesting, interesting because this movie. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: like what the heck? What
3: time
0: period is this movie like taking place yeah. in? So <laughs> are fries they all officially
2: is it... closed? Is that true? They're... I think
0: so.
1: I at mean, the Woodland the Hills in one in, definitely. The ones in California, at least as far as I'm aware, but um, mm. yeah, yeah, they're definitely closed. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, you fries is an electronic store. There's two of them. In Southern California, where we're from, and mm-hmm. there's one in Woodland Hills and one in uh, Burbank,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: the Woodland Hills one is Alice in Wonderland themed, and the Burbank one is UFO alien invasion, Air Fifty One yeah. sci-fi Air Fifty One theme. Super mm-hmm. cool. There's a literally in the film you see the crashed UFO into the building, and mm-hmm. you go in and it's full of like 50s sci-fi alien shit, which I was super disappointed that they didn't show that in the film, which leads me to believe the interior was shot somewhere else. I don't think it was oh, yeah. at Fry's because it was already closed, but they were the exterior with the UFO outside still standing. Yeah.
0: And there was so. no cars in the parking lot. In the yeah. Field. So exactly. I'm assuming it was definitely mm-hmm. like, you know, during the time that, you know, everything, but they closed down.
1: You had the unique experience of working at Fry's. Was it the Burbank mm-hmm. one, too?
0: No, I worked in the Woodland Hills. Okay, ones, okay. So Alice in Wonderland. Uh, but
1: still, people, you know, yeah. I was like, holy shit, it's fucking Raymond's in this movie. Like, this is yeah, literally I was character. basically
0: <laughs> Angel, yeah. Um, I wouldn't go as far as, like, I'm literally that guy, because that guy is, uh, well, maybe. I don't know, actually, now that I think about it. But yeah. you get um, it I think... PTSD... I
2: honestly yeah <laughs> i just didn't
0: like i dude i hated working there and like you know i'm you sorry like, but oh,
1: like that's my fucking best memory i was
0: like low-key like i didn't even tell my homies w- that i went to um the movies with like afterwards like they brought it up like the area 51 and the fries but like i was like no i'm not like gonna say that i worked there I, i'm pretty sure one of them knows oh, and here i am that <laughs> i used to work there but the i just didn't about care it
1: yeah so i was like us, you know what every I detail about that. your
2: favorite years working at fries oh my
0: god it was depressing <laughs> as fuck man. even the shop I mean, at I'm fries was kidding. a bit of a
2: like weird i don't know i never had like you know you go to target it's really bright uh-huh. you could see everything but fries is like this warehouse it's kind of gray carpets yeah, at least that, that right the the one in woodland hills was and. You know, well, I, I, like these, I didn't like
1: these... the one in Woodland Hills as much as Burbank. I
2: like Burbank. Yeah, Burbank. I didn't go better. to the Burbank one a lot, but the one in Woodland Hills. I, every time I'd walk in, there, I'd be like, "I gotta the fuck out of here!" Like something mm, about it does not depressing. seem like the shopping experience. I didn't
1: like the the it's Woodland not... Hills one. I yeah. loved going to the Burbank one. I have fond yeah. memories of going there, and I and especially because their, their movie selection was fucking rad. So you know, I the good old times. The good old times, man, yeah, and the price match Um yeah. yeah, but
2: uh yeah. But, yeah.
1: I
0: just, you know, didn't think the characters were that fleshed out Angel I thought was not fleshed out. I, the, the director wasn't fleshed out. And I also just felt like I didn't care. Like about, I didn't care about them. And there were flaws in this film. I'm not going to lie. Even, I, I agree.
1: I didn't really care about it. Even Steven Yen's
0: character, I was just like, what the fuck is like, like, I don't care. Like, I, I get it. Like, everything for me was surface level. Yeah. And I don't think that, I don't think that it was like as bad as us. It really mm-hmm. isn't like I don't even think it's in the same league. I think mm-hmm. that this movie is genuinely a good movie. It's just it has so much more potential.
1: Yes, that like it us didn't did hit. as well.
0: Exactly, yeah. But this one is actually like a little bit better. You know, it's not a little bit better. I think, it's actually better.
1: I think so, so too. Some people yeah, wouldn't just, say that, but I think us it bites off more than it can chew, way more than so. it can chew, and Absolutely. this one feels you know, not as bogged down by those ambitions and kind of is, it's actually very simple and he's filling more of that space with concepts and uh, just, you know, thematic stuff like the, like the chimp attack and all that stuff. Like that scene is really so memorable and such an original idea, but it's almost like I wondered, I'm like, why does it need to be in this film? I do see the thematic mm. connectivity, and there's there is tissue there that bridges agree. that with the with the general conflict, the main conflict. But I still feel like overall, it's so different; it's so out of the realm. It seems like it could be in another movie entirely, but it's not something that could sustain its own film either. You know what I mean? Like that exists as like a scene, a good movie scene, and a concept, but yeah, it wouldn't be good as its own movie. And would it be? Yeah. Would it? Would it be better in any <laughs> other film? You know, and then oh, yeah, I, I guess tough. I don't know. I think it honestly it works here. And that, and there's stuff like that in this movie that is like, you know, a lot of original ideas. It's a lot mm-hmm. of fun. But yeah, I agree. Unfortunately, like I don't care about the characters. They're not that fleshed out to me. I don't really understand their motivations as much. Um, and there's a lot of stuff. And, and again, I, it's not always cohesive. It seems yeah. like a mix, a mishmash it's, it's of not. ideas.
2: And yeah, and they, they they want the memory route, you know. At, in the beginning, they're trying to always kind of go into uh, o- OJ's memories with with his father, and oh, that didn't yeah. really that didn't really land with me too much. Nothing felt heavy yeah. about it, you know. Even that stuff, remembering fond memories just about so, his dad, you can kind of tell uh, that they wanted it to be, you know, a lot more emotional. Yeah, But yeah. A lot I of that didn't stuff care, didn't. Man. Yeah, didn't it just care for. Work. It.
1: It was trying to. I think with all of. I think that's Jordan Peele's one of his flaws with his character writing is that all of his characters exist to serve some sort of idea, a concept, a theme, and not necessarily exist as people as characters. With then like,
0: they don't become real. Like yeah, you know what and I mean? They don't and actually I just, become uh, real.
1: Even in Get Out, that's a that's one of the flaws in I, that film. I agree. I agree. Um, but I, think I think it's Get his Out best is. Yes, it, But again, best. that character isn't really as fleshed out. He exists mainly for a concept, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think about that main character. I think about what he experiences and all the things that are happening right, to him. Yeah. But I don't think about, like, necessarily his traumas. I know he does have a trauma, right. but, like, I just... I don't think about that when I think of that film. Um, and he I tries to best... do that with all of his characters. Just give them a trauma, give them some sort of motivation, but doesn't really right. work.
0: Yeah, I think Re- the best to describe, like... The main character in get out is like you don't remember him as chris but you remember him as a person of color experiencing what he's experiencing you Mm -hmm. know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. like it didn't matter if it was chris or if it was his best friend yeah Yeah, it was the concept it wasn't chris himself why is it necessary for him to go through this journey Mm -hmm. and to experience this you know it was just like he was just
1: caught in a scenario
0: he was just caught in the scenario and it kind of was
1: and i think it makes sense because peel's clearly a big fan of twilight zone And those are episodic Mm -hmm. stories that don't really hinge upon deep characters. Like you don't need to have a, it's not a character study. It's exploring the, what if this happened to you type of situation to make a point about something and not necessarily like, you know, what about this character in this situation? More like it's there to teach a lesson, to teach some sort of moral, to represent Mm -hmm. like some metaphor, not necessarily like exploring the specific character who may be relatable or um, authentic, you know, how they would react to a situation. But, you know, again, I think that's one thing I've just kind of learned to accept about Peel is that that's not his style, but he he excels in other things. Now, maybe yeah, he can he work on the things that he isn't quite good at, um, as good at yet, because he's still a learning mm-hmm. director. But I think he is really good at other things that a lot of other filmmakers cl- are not doing. You know, like, he does have a unique voice. I see that. I think he does. I Absolutely. appreciate that. Um, He's
0: creative. I don't. Definitely yeah. creative.
1: I don't think he is like, you know, how people are putting him on this level of the new Hitchcock or whatever. Oh, you no know. way. I don't see that. <laughs> I get the excitement and the temptation to like, you know, because you have this very strong, unique voice breaking through, you know, and, and I get that. But I don't see that yet at all. At no. all. <laughs> and uh, i, I
0: oh No, go ahead Jer.
1: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, like, the same thing happened with you mentioned signs, Rich, but same thing happened with Shyamalan when he was coming up. He had, you know, Unbreakable Sixth Sense Signs. Like, I love all those films. That's the difference. Like, I think all those films are great, like, fantastic, better than anything Peel's made. But, um, but he did fall off after that. And also, he, not everybody was in love with his style either. Like, people shit on signs, you know, and that was. Mm -hmm. Kind of divisive, and then even the village that was even more divisive. So right, yeah, you know, it's too soon to tell, but people were literally saying Shyamalan's the next Spielberg or he's the next whatever. You know, it's, yeah, it's like hold your horses; they're still got some kinks to work out. But um, yeah, that's that's,
0: that's literally well, what that... I said too. I was just like, I made that comparison right after the movie. I watched it with my buddies, and I was like, I'm afraid that genuinely, Jordan Peele is going to go into the M 9 Shyamalan.
1: Really, like.
0: I think so because like I just don't see you know I think there's very unique things and I think he has a lot more potential and mm-hmm. he has a very unique voice but like I came out of that film thinking like okay this was good but I'm gonna give this guy two more movies like the fourth and fifth movie if, if the fourth is like not even as good or you know as creative as Nope I'm not even gonna give him like another chance. Like that's just how I feel right now, and it's just not like necessarily saying he's a bad filmmaker or anything. Mm -hmm. It's just not my taste. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this is—he's not a person or a filmmaker that I want to see his work that I get excited about. And and if you do, that's completely fine because I can see why. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, well, I I
2: wouldn't put uh, what is it? Jordan Peele's, I guess his—that you would consider this his early work with Shyamalan's early work. Like Sixth Sense or like... Well, I think of uh, it like
0: in a trajectory of his that, career, yeah. I guess. But, yeah.
2: But I guess that's what I'm noticing too, is the difference that you guys are pointing out his character writing is it's not too deep. So... It's not. But yeah. in the sense, again, Signs and even um, The Sixth Sense, you kind of see where these characters are coming from. In the same oh, way daytime. that Nope tried to mm-hmm. capture... Yeah. You know, they're, they're calling back on old memories. They're filling you in more and more. About right. the relationship and yeah. why the way why these characters are the way they are now, looking back at those earlier memories as the film moves forward, but mm-hmm. um, but yeah, same in, in a different way. You kind of see like Mel Gibson's character. You start to really understand like what's going on with the relationship with his wife, the accident, the incident that happened. I would happened say she the signs
1: is more of a character study, exactly, in, yeah, in the sense is, where this you know, kind of didn't aliens.
2: capture that uh, with mm-hmm. with OJ and OJ Senior, basically. So yeah kind of kind of cool to you know just pick up on that as you guys are pointing out that characters don't yeah. have uh any fleshing out in peels films
0: yeah
1: yeah i, I mean think, I, um, I it the character motivations are not always very clear and they're not always you know i don't care about them necessarily i mean the yeah.
2: motivations in this movie you were you know a lot of people were just in it for money um, yeah but.
0: I did hear though that like he had to rewrite the script for Angel, the character Angel, because the actor. I guess they got another actor. Um, shout it out. It was Jesse Plemons
1: was supposed to be. Oh okay. The yeah. character of Angel, I believe. Yeah.
0: Well, shout out to my homegirl. She let me know that, and mm. <laughs> it was just I didn't know that. So I guess like that's an obstacle in writing, um, especially in like a huge production like that. You definitely have like a timeline, and when you need to create the script and deliver it and actually flesh it out. So. Mm. I consider that too, um, but obviously I think that his history of films and the characters that he's created, it really, you know, I'm also just not surprised. I don't know if I can justify the fact that even though he rewrote it, um, you know, it, it just goes to show that maybe you're not like the mo- the best writer in terms of um, characters and, and um, how unique each one is, but that's completely fine. I think that he can, he can work on that and there is potential, you know, I, I definitely do believe that he can get better in his fourth and fifth film. And I, I would really like to see him succeed in those. Um, but I'm, I'm saying that this is a successful film for what it is. Um, and, you know, I just expected it to be great. I would say. I
2: That's thought it was fun. Might've lost it. me at the end there, but, um, but I was actually going to ask, what's uh what's the story with Jordan Peele? I know he talked about wanting to make three or four thriller films, Mm. i have um, no idea what he said about yeah that. i have no clue so okay. I, I wouldn't know yeah i'm my not homework. a big
0: fan of him anyways so it's i like... feel like i remember an article coming out
2: around the time that us came out because obviously he, he took off as a director from get out it was a huge success and then when everybody heard about us mm. i met there's an interview stating that he does plan to make a certain amount of thriller psychological thriller films um throughout uh, common, the start right? of his for career filmmakers so to, like, I, I am curious to see where genres. his work goes next yeah, yeah i guess that so. will say a lot of you know was he a three-hit wonder or two-hit wonder um, yeah i mean a lot of people see.
0: think us is great so i mean i'm not gonna say it's not a hit i think well, it is a well, hit. kind of so i'm just
2: so far i'm
1: three for three but i disagree some yeah, people don't agree. like this. Film. I think he's two for three. So. Uh, I'm <laughs> yeah, surprised to see. I'm not I'm not surprised to honestly if people liked us more than this or they, you know, whatever order they prefer them. I mean right, yeah, they're do they're both trying to achieve different things. I just think mm-hmm. that Nope is more focused. It's not the most yeah. focused movie, not nearly as much as Get Out, but it is more focused than us. Um it is, yeah. And I don't know, there's more there's more thematically for me to chew on that feels like i don't know the the visuals and everything like that you know like for example the us thing with hands across america i didn't find that visual and that whole metaphor to do anything for me but i think the stuff in this movie about you know uh kind of exploiting things especially animals or whatever it may be creatures and and kind of profiting off of that and what that does to somebody who's being perceived who has to go through some traumatic experience for spectacle Mm -hmm. for entertainment and all of that stuff and how it ties in with everything. I think that is an interesting idea. Like it's definitely more, there's something more there to grab onto than the stuff in us, which is just way too oblique and vague Mm -hmm. to like really draw anything of substance out of, you know, there's too many contradictions with whatever it's trying to achieve. You know, yeah. (laughs) if you try to make sense, yeah. then too many logical, just like it's just, it's a mess. Um, I don't think this one is as much of a mess, but it is kind of a mess, um, but is not as bad. And I, I just yet. I do like I really like the ending. I, I thought like the third act kind of saved it for me, in my opinion, like visually, mm. um, you know, just kind of stakes wise and spectacle, basically everything from when the uh, reflective cyclist guy arrives, like from that until the end. You know, there was some stuff in the end that was like, this is kind of goofy, but i'm still (laughs) i would say so i'm still here for it kind of like and then when i look back i was like you know what like i just respect that he did that you know he's bold yeah it was bold it was a bold vision and he did it anyway with confidence so you know
0: yeah i I will say this though um sorry Jerry. um i I think that like this can be very much a cult following like a cult film Like it can definitely have like maybe I'm not seeing the amount of depth that this film has right now, but I could see it going into a four if if I keep rewatching it and more people really talk about it and the themes that it really carries. I'm sure there's so much more depth than what I walked away with on Saturday night. So Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree with you with the third act. I mean, I didn't really think I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was just like, okay, this is happening. That's kind of what i thought but like um a friend that i met that night um shout out to him he hit it on the head for me he was just like honestly dude like it just felt like the theme of the movie and the genre just kind of switched all of a sudden and it mm-hmm. was just like an action flick in in some ways um there was like a, this sense of adventure almost and then like it was just like i don't know the music changed too and it was like um okay mm-hmm. like i mean i, I accepted it, it, became it, for, very what it for what it spielbergian
1: yeah it exactly sounds...
0: yeah yeah exactly um I thought it was. Um, I noted it. I didn't think it was good or bad. It was just something that I noticed, and I was like, "Okay, this is happening," and I accept it for what it is. And I, I don't think, think it brought down the it film. Was
1: very, very, um, just shocking. I think, like, surprising yeah. out to see that in a in a blockbuster. <laughs> visually, <laughs> just kind of like, yeah. wow, that's that is bold, and that is, you know, something I definitely didn't see coming. You know, it's sort of like what's cool about it is like. The mystery of what this thing is 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 unveiled Mm -hmm. very quickly, or so Mm -hmm. you think. You know, it's like, oh, you think you know what it is for the whole time, but then the way in which it reveals itself
0: is
1: very cool from a design standpoint. Uh, You know, just it's able to be something that's so uh, typical and kind of cliche and turning that into something literally just by reshaping it. Yeah, in a creative way, turning in way into we, something yeah, you've never seen before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I and think that, he did that well. Yeah, yeah, I think that's cool. And you know, and then as far as like the final resolution, I thought that was again a way to tie the themes in together, uh, the, and just very creative little paybacks here and there. That not everything has a payoff, yeah. but yeah. there is there are still a lot of payoffs, both visually and humor wise, and and narratively. Like there's some payoffs here and there. So yeah, I mean, it was just more of a crowd pleaser. I feel like definitely mm-hmm. leaned into blockbuster territory toward the end with the, you know, yeah. but yeah, it's um, not perfect. I really went back on back and forth this movie. I wanted to give it a three and a half like you Ray. Yeah. And I just like it's
0: pretty solid for me. I yeah, gave it the
1: light, 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 lightest of fours. Um, I
0: can respect that because I, I, like I said, I can see that later down the line.
1: Yeah. Like, I want to, I, I do want to rewatch it. I'm curious to see, and then I'll decide is, is it going to stay a four? Or is it going to be a three and a half? Cause again, like you said, the Colt, Mentality, the cult appeal of this. Mm-hmm. I, I sense that too. And I sense that like on rewatches, it's like you kind of start to become a- attached to yeah. some of the quirks mm-hmm. and some of the characters and just realizing right. it for what it is. Cause I think there's too much mystery there on a first watch. It might mm-hmm. be distracting from just, you know, the, the fun elements throughout the film. Um, So yeah, maybe on a rewatch, I'll feel more confident about the four or it'll drop off. I yeah. don't see it becoming a 4.5, but um, yeah, I don't know. I will say
0: this, though. When he said, you know, you're going to be my Robert De Niro.
1: I Jordan
0: think Peele I'm even told more...
1: Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm more disappointed now because I, you know, it's not because of Kaluuya's fault. It's because of the lack of character that he's given Daniel. And I think Daniel is an amazing actor, especially mm-hmm. in Get Out. I've seen so many great things from him. So, yeah, I, I agree. think He's that you need to write better him. characters for your De Niro. If you really want to stick with this, Mr. Peel, you got to do this. You got you to gotta give him oh. justice. And I think that like that's something that he needs to do. I think he owes that to him at this point. You just <laughs>
2: like, called Jordan Peel out. Holy shit. shit. Dude, I did.
0: <laughs> I feel like I can write better characters. Dude. I can write that's... better characters, bro. I promise you that.
1: So, Ray, tell me this. Are you a Peel lever? or are you a non-Peel lever?
0: I'm still there. I think that I'll give him um I'm not a fan like wholeheartedly but like I'm willing to give him like his fourth and fifth movie a chance and I am really hoping I'm really hoping it's great, man. <laughs> I'm really hoping that it's like a solid great film and in the fourth film. um so I just I just think he he does have someone that he can latch onto with Daniel Kaluuya and I think he's a great actor, and I think that Jordan Peel has potential, and I'd really like to see more of these two. But like, I'd really like to see the potential hit, you know, yeah. and it hasn't been hit yet. So, you know, that's a bold statement to make, bro. When you said you're my De Niro, bro, you're talking about Scorsese and De Niro. Like, come on, come on. like yeah. I don't know. There's,
2: yeah, I think the potential has been shown, but it hasn't been reached. Uh, yes. Oh, by it
1: the hasn't way. Um, I just want to say this, since this happens in the first five minutes, we can say Keith David, the father dies yeah, very it's quickly. Not really
0: a, it's not really a but spoiler.
1: you don't, did you not realize Ray that huh? you might've been the one to kill him? <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: man, you guys got to watch the film now. I was the one to kill him because I was hating on that fucking film. <laughs>
1: I've just I say had somebody, a somebody literally gets killed by a quarter drop in this film. <laughs> All right. Stop. Stop. Someone gets killed by a quarter a quarter. I never thought I'd say that. And the what day. did you see give this day. film, Ray?
2: Did you give it a three and a half? Yeah, a
0: solid three and a half. Oh, I just wow. can't justify it being more than a seven right what now. What a I, twist. I, I, I could see it going up. I could see it going up, but I I want to give it a four, dude. And it's just maybe I just didn't see things yet i have to rewatch it i'll say that you know and i have to give it a fair chance
2: i I was a little i wasn't fully on board with the ending there was parts Mm. that i liked about it the third act but there was also stuff that i just kind of had i felt like there was an establishing of um certain you know monster details like basically to keep it simple what the monster does and doesn't like and to, yeah, yeah there I agree. was there was stuff that i was i guess nitpicking um mm-hmm. where i was like i thought we kind of established that they made it seem pretty clear like um that you know these are the rules of the monster mm-hmm. and i felt they went against it i felt like they contradicted all of a sudden um yeah that was that was it for me but i still liked you know how it started to you know really take off in the third because you are learning more and more about the monster um, yeah or the, you know, the alien. What's going on or, here? No. You can't. Uh, like, I was gonna yeah. say I don't want to. Oh fuck yeah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you should.
0: You should have <laughs> said alien.
2: <laughs> fuck. I think most. I mean, <laughs> pretty much, we all know it's aliens, don't we? If we're talking about signs, saying how oh, this. Uh, what is alien, the hell? I, like it.
0: <laughs> I guess at this point, yeah. So you
1: know. You don't know what I'm is, talking what about is. at all.
2: Um, <laughs> hey, I w- I will say this, like
0: you know, when the third act began and kind of the you know rounding up of characters in the group to like you know basically take care of this problem mm-hmm. i was like what the fuck like how did this even happen like i was just what's going like, on here like you know <laughs> that was so lackluster in how they did it um i liked the planning phase but i was just like um, I guess I'll just accept it. It's one of those I accept it.
2: Right. Moments. I thought it was well done. The, the way that they're trying to find solutions. That's basically the way my that reaction they keep getting like, yeah. shot like, That's how I was. I was like, right. okay, <laughs> like,
0: I guess, like, I don't know. Yeah.
1: I'm surprised you didn't pull. A... All
0: right, guys, that'll do it oh, for this week. I totally week. did. Thank I almost like left the theater. <laughs> no, it it was enjoyable. I would say that two two hours and eleven minutes, and like I was entertained throughout the entire mm-hmm. film. I didn't think it had a lot of debt, but I enjoyed, I, you know, I got my money's worth. I'd say that.
2: All right. Uh, final Ooh. score ratings then. Uh, Jory, you said you kept it out of light for, I think I'm with three. I think I'm at a three and a half. Yeah. I, I, I like this film a lot, but I wouldn't put it up to a four. Um, it's just, yeah. It's strongly ugh, recommend it. It. I think it's maybe, a, I think either it's a film
1: I'm going to regret, regret my four or I'm going to look back and I'm going to be on the right side of history and I'm gonna be like, I knew it. I was ahead of the game. It's
0: literally just half a star. It's
1: like, there's a big difference between a three and a half there and is. a four. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I honestly, Ray, I will be honest. I really wanted to give it a three point seventy five. But you know, <laughs> hey,
0: no, it. it might just be there. But like, you that, know,
1: it, it, this is the most three point seventy five movie i have seen it in a while, is, right? You know? But I'm, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. That's good. You go it check it out, people. Two, go, three and a
2: halfs. Go give it a yeah. watch. Let us know what you think.
0: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. worth a watch, definitely. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's enough of Nope. I guess we all said yup to an extent to that. Uh, moving on to well, what else we watched throughout the week. Um, I didn't watch too many films um, other than Nope and Targets. How about you guys?
1: Um, yeah, I, I I actually watched It was part of a double feature. I watched Black Phone right after Nope. And it was cool, Ho- cool do- double horror feature. Um, I say at the time I liked it just about as much as I liked Nope, so quite a bit. But ultimately, it ended up staying. Cool. That one ended up staying at a three point five for me, and uh, Nope yeah. actually went up in retrospect as I thought about it. Um, if not you had to much. choose one though, I would. i much two. sooner watch Nope, rewatch Nope because okay. I feel yeah. like I could get more out of it potentially. I'm curious about it. There's more things in there I'm willing to revisit. Whereas Black Phone was just like a good, solid, very Stephen King. It's written by Joe Hill, um, hmm. Stephen King's son. So he loves his dad. It's very clear in this film. Very <laughs> Stephen King reference all over the place. Um, you know, Solid, uh, a little goofy at times, a little too teen-friendly for my taste, but it's kind of ripping, riffing off the uh, Stranger Things craze a little bit. But ultimately, hey. a simple premise... That's handled really well. Doesn't tr- try to over explain shit. It's entertaining. And um, yeah, it's a fun time. Wraps up a little too conveniently for my taste, but again, I enjoyed my time with it and then you know that wrapped up my double feature.
2: Did uh how, is, how does it work to pay for a double feature? Is it just one movie price ticket? One movie,
1: eleven it? bucks for two movies. Oh, nice. Dang. All of the driving it's badass, man. Yeah, man. Driving is where it's at. There was a fucking weirdo that was like mumbling crazy shit with his family like right next to me oh for like God. the first half of Nope. Yeah, dude, that it was weird. That guy was making me uneasy while watching Nope and then on top of the fucking fireworks that made me feel like i was in the oh, scene in Target. it was a pretty like honestly you know i to me it was like kind of in the themes with targets it's like regular horror doesn't do it for me anymore you kind <laughs> of add in the chaos and the fucking frightening state of the world into the mix yeah to, you know really get you to feel something so yeah. on one hand i guess i could you know appreciate the immersive authenticity of the experience but yeah that was my right on man driving right double feature yeah what about you rich Um, I only only
2: watched one other movie and I gotta say I recommend this film because lately I've felt that I haven't had a good you know animated film that I've seen in a while not that I could think of as in recently but I watched Netflix's The Sea Beast and The Sea Beast is pretty good that's true I'm not gonna lie I like this film a lot it's uh it's you know, everyone's th- been logging
1: this. It feels like have
2: you, Have you seen people? Uh, I only saw it because uh, they had it on the TV last weekend, and that's when I was dying from, you know, my food poisoning. But as I was walking by, I was like, "What is this? This movie looks, you know, very attractive and colorful. It's kind of based on the open sea. It's about basically they look like pirates, but you know, they're just hunters and they hunt down. You can guess the sea beasts of the ocean, but." Um it's uh it's really well animated. I was surprised that it came from Netflix. I didn't know any other uh I, I think it's a DreamWorks and Netflix. I could be wrong on that, but um but it has Carl Urban and uh the uh what's his name? Jared Harris. He's the uh he's in like the Sherlock Holmes films. Um, but uh it's uh it's really, really good. I liked it a lot. I think it's worth checking out and it's on Netflix, you don't even gotta go to the theater for it, so um if anything it should have got a theater release i would i would much uh i would have much preferred to watch it in theaters just because i I thought it was that good um especially because recently i guess i felt like i don't know the most recent one i could think of animated film was soul and maybe like how to train your dragon three or something one of those Mm -hmm. but uh nothing again those those films didn't really do it for me but i like this one a lot it's not it's PG, but it's not too PG. It's it's not overly, you know, it's for adults too. It's... right. Unfortunately, I feel like a <laughs> lot of animated films do this and this film does suffer from it, but every animated movie now has to come up with this overly cute little creature and it's just supposed to really do it for the kids and they kind of just shove it in your face and say, look how cute this is. So, That's
0: how they sell merchandise.
1: <laughs>
2: I guess, yeah, right. Well, but for some reason, know, every time my favorite see movie some... of this year is Marcel the Shell.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of merch for that man. Get the
2: A24 figurine, man. The paperweight, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would say check it out. It's uh, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Interesting. I'm I'm a am su- a I'm a sucker for you know the animation for the Open Ocean basically just waves. Obviously, yeah. it's most of it's you know taken overseas. So uh, did you not log this because you were embarrassed, or I did, did log you should... it? You should oh, check. I don't... Oh, check. Did you check the log, brother? Refresh you your log because I logged. it. You don't it. know like how to. You just did it right ago. now. I bet. <laughs> no, yeah. I logged it an hour ago. I logged it before I got well, on the pod. Oh, Here's the thing: you, you didn't
1: log it right, brother. You didn't log it because if I look to your recent activity, it's not there. Oh,
0: I know what he means. You just yeah.
1: rated it and hearted it. That's not the same as logging it, bro. Oh my gosh. You have so, to review
0: it, basically. You do like, have to review.
1: Have Even to if you write. don't write a review, yeah. you don't have to don't write have a review. To. Yeah. you Just hit review, submit, give your rating, and then submit, and then it actually shows
2: up in your. Diary. All right, thanks, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks, man. You don't know what I'm talking about at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh calling me out for the second week in a row about how to fucking use Letterboxd. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: oh well, someone's got
1: to do it. Someone's got to police the Letterboxd. <laughs>
2: Check out the
1: fucking sea beast. Um, <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> CB. What about you, Ray? What'd you watch?
0: Uh, nothing else really. I mean, I did have peel, like
1: peel Yeah,
0: that was like last week. Um, I did watch Get Out for the first time, and well, because I watched it in pieces before, and because I remember we were Peel-ces? at like, yeah, peelses. Um, and I finally got to watch it. You know, sit down, and it was a thoroughly great film. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was original, and and it's something that I think that i don't know it's not a perfect film but it is great in my opinion um i really did like the characters a little bit more than us and and nope but um, and obviously daniel kaluuya as i stated his performance in that film is just amazing and um the twist is what got me and i think that everyone knows the twist at this point but it does have a lot to say i think that like a lot of people you know, of color experience uh, from a day to day. And I think it was a really great debut film for Jordan Peele. And, um, you know, and I think that he can build so much more from this film and also just like his other films that he's created because I do think that there are things that he has to say and uh, it, the potentials there. So, I mean, that's all I can really say in regards to that, but um, yeah. It's my favorite film from him, I would say, 100%.
1: Mine, too. Mine, too. I, I just yeah. actually, right now, since I'm policing Letterboxd, I saw someone just reviewed Nope and said this was, he is a uh, Hitchcock-Spielberg hybrid. I'm going to kill that guy. <laughs> no comments, Seriously. but I think my thoughts on that are clear. <sighs> Don't agree. Don't agree.
0: Maybe one day, but definitely not right now.
1: Right. <laughs>
0: I'm just giving him the benefit of doubt. I
3: don't know
2: what the fuck you're talking about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, Get Out is good. I do want to rewatch that and see how it holds up after the twist.
2: Um, yes, sir. But yeah. All right. All does right. that wrap up all our films that we watched? I believe yeah. so. Should we mm-hmm. move on to the newsroom? The news segment? <laughs> i don't know i mean paul
0: servino i guess
1: yeah
2: how are you gonna forget about no we're, one of the goodest fellas out there you're gonna I turn your back gonna on the list
1: at this rate we're gonna have to be fucking eulogizing a new good fella episode <laughs> that is it's Eulog- the season of the so Goodfellas. you're gonna
2: turn your back on him bro now you're gonna turn your back on him it's the huh? season
1: of the dead
3: fellas bro we we fucked up <laughs>
2: So basically, we don't give a shit about Paul Sabino. We're just laughing at our the first fact that this <laughs> episode
1: <laughs> is about is eulogizing Ray Liotta. And now we're fucking yeah. nine episodes in. Four Goodfellas
2: gone. It's like, uh, where, what's, okay, well, James Dude, Cotton we are the curse good of fella. the Goodfellas. Just play the second half of Layla, bro. Come on. <laughs> you know you want to. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that might have to be well, our intro. Well, yeah, but Paul yeah. Sabino yeah. died. He was a good fella. As he's, as now he's was. got to turn okay. his back on us. Um, for Literally.
0: Good. For the rest of his eternity. Or existence of his He's turning his, his back soul,
2: on, on the living, so you know, yeah. we lost a R.I.P. to another
0: good fella, man. Yeah. Um, that
1: scene where, you know, in Goodfellas, where, <laughs> you know... <Stop. laughs> i fucked up, man. Help me out. And then he goes, take this. <laughs> now i got to turn my back on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my well <God. laughs>
0: oh, right. oh, iconic. We lost both of those fellas this year. RIP.
2: Yeah. He was R. pretty R. old P. though, so he lived a full life. Good for him. I think he was somewhere in he his did. late eighties.
0: He did, yeah. Um
2: You know, if anything, that's the time I'd want to die, yeah. He wants to live the ninety.
0: Yeah, that's that's a tough life, huh? <laughs> as soon as I'm ninety? All right,
2: guys. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Uh, all right. I think that's all the news we got. Nobody else has died recently <laughs> well, other than that. <laughs> yeah, literally our
0: news is just Goodfellas just like
2: croaking. That's, oh my God. Next week's yeah. going to be Bobby. After that'll be Marty. No, no don't, don't say, that. say that. Yeah, don't say don't that. Don't even joke. <laughs> I, don't I don't want that. Your I just reject Of all the hexes I'm throwing out, you know, those are the last people. Okay. (laughs) I'll probably quit the podcast if that happens.
1: (laughs) At that point, yeah, well, hopefully no more Goodfellas fall by next week.
0: Yeah, that's enough for this year. Like, no more Goodfellas, man. Yeah. Um, All right. All right, guys. That'll do it for this week. Don't forget, you guys can follow us at... Don't forget, you guys can... don't forget, you don't know you what I'm talking about. <laughs> <that the hell laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> don't forget, you can follow us on Letterbox. My name is Raymond, and you can follow me on my handle r a y a m p a r
1: o. My name is Jeremy, and you can follow me on my handle at dick visco.
2: Why it? <laughs> bro, why was I thinking uh, the same thing? I was like, I'm gonna just read off Jeremy's fucking. Don't letterbox. do
0: it. Don't
3: do it, bro.
2: <laughs> and my name's. Richard, and you can follow me at Space Cowboy. That's S T A C E D C O W B O Y.
0: Um, Thanks for listening.
2: You bastards. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now i got to turn my back on before we end what's gonna be uh, our uh what's gonna be our little easter egg soundbite f- for after really? the song good song huh after, after our, our intro song an outro song yeah oh after oh. our outro song yeah we i i always put an easter egg you haven't noticed i haven't you made it to the end fans <laughs> you never made it to the end of a single podcast <laughs>
2: no i always jump around
1: <laughs> oh my god what the fuck's the music for anyway <laughs>